everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Televoid. I'm one of your hosts, Mara Kate Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. In the immortal words of Macy Gray, someone once told me the grass is much greener on the other side. Hey, and uh, we watched the iconically terrible and understandably canceled in one episode, Emily's Reasons Why Not. Um, specifically, we're going to probably focus mostly on the pilot, there's only six episodes, and they're all very short, so you're welcome to uh, watch those and get back to us. I'd save your time and, and skip to just the one scene with the sad dog ending, but... Uh, you can watch the whole episode for that. For that. Yeah, it's not terrible, I guess. It's got Mark uh, Valley in it, too, so that's good. Fantastic. And then uh, we're going to discuss how bad it was at writ large, but especially the pilot, which I think is a pretty uh, understandable reason for this as show in general to be canceled as it aired, essentially. Um, so yeah, so we can get right into it, because there's a lot to talk about. This was canceled literally after the pilot aired, so the show had not even run its full course. You mentioned before that they had basically taped everything in advance, so that kind of, I mean, at least they got the paycheck, I guess, for having done all that work, but, uh, yeah, it was canceled so before it could even air, essentially. The way the, the lore goes is that ABC picked up the show without even reading the pilot script. And great, then great idea. they get, yeah. <laughs> and then they they ordered six episodes because remember this is 2006. It's still kind of a big deal. Uh, Heather Graham is, is coming to TV, understandable. But like you could even if a star is coming to TV, you still kind of want to see what's happening, right? And right. I think I think that like this is potentially post Scrubs or like right. Yeah, this is post Scrubs. She had even like, her work. She guest starred, and I feel like that was, like, where she got this role from. Like, she's literally playing the same character she played on Scrubs, but, like, she's playing... No, she was much better on Scrubs. Well, no. She, uh, she uh, actually got to be funny much, on Scrubs. Most people are better on Scrubs, let's be real here. But, uh, she basically, like, is the same kind of, like, not... I wouldn't say goofy or dumb or anything, but she's playing kind of the classic romantic comedy lead where she's like someone who trips over herself yeah like oops i'm making mistakes guys i, I fell I off love, i fell off the stage and that's kind of i mean she was a little bit more down to earth on scrubs but she still played a very similar like you know like like wink smile nudge to the camera and i do feel like it's interesting to watch this now because it almost doesn't exist as much anymore it's almost like a precursor to like the jennifer lawrence's of the world where they're doing that but now they're getting like I mean, I think sometimes rightfully criticized for being, like, too camp and too coy. Um, but it really doesn't exist. Like, Jennifer Garner's kind of the last of that breed, I think. Like, I think it's a very 13 going on 30 kind of vibe she gives throughout this. Um, but, I mean, there's a reason why Katherine Heigl movies are not, like, burning up the box office charts anymore. Um, it's not... You had to throw in a calf jab, didn't you? Listen! You know how I feel. I like Kath I love Katherine Heigl in many ways, but I think that that style of movie is hard to produce well anymore, because it's just been done, and this kind of feels old. It also never really made sense for Katherine Heigl anyway, but that's just a, a different a problem with her and choice. and that's a good and, place yeah. for her to be. But anyways, <laughs> so... so this is a beautiful movie! Yeah. But so, she... This character of Emily is... Basically, okay, we should get well, into the premise, I, I guess. Let right? me add real quick before we get into the premise, just, so, also, ABC spent a lot of money on promotion for the show. Like, they thought this was going to be a monster hit. Uh, they were probably right to think that, because at the time, that was a very popular genre. And I only bring up the fact that this is, like, kind of a bygone-era style comedy, because it was very popular even at the time. Like, there was, sh like, shows and movies that were all about, like, a girl unlucky in love. 
And that exists now, but usually, like, she's a psychic, or, you know, like, <laughs> she's uh, having a baby out of wedlock, or she's uh, a cop who just can't find a good time to, you know, get a date. Like, like there's usually something else, is all I'm saying. And so, when we get into the premise, you should probably understand the fact that, like, this is a really rare example of, like, the premise of the show is basically Emily dates a bunch of guys and tries to find love. Which is kind of bonkers, because nowadays it just doesn't happen. Do you know another show that does that currently? Not in that simple of a way. No, um, I also want to say, this is also the season... ABC was just making choices this season of mm. television, because they also ordered uh, the Freddie Prince Jr. series, Freddie, which we're definitely oh, going to watch for, for oh, this. Bless them. Bless them for that, though. And that got to air all 21 episodes. Sexism is real, folks. <laughs> but no... <laughs> I, I love, Freddie Prince Jr. is one of those people where it's like, you know, I don't mind it. As, as crazy as it seems in retrospect that he's getting a show just called Freddie, uh, you know, it's Freddie Prince Jr. I, I can't blame him. Like, he's one of those people, it's like, you expected so much from him, and he's still great in everything he's in, but it's just not where you thought, like, that character actor slash lead star was gonna be at this point in his career you know what i'm saying like he was literally like helming multiple movies through his 20s and like the minute he turned like 35 they were just like peace you're done bye it was weird because like you would have <laughs> i would have imagined him transitioning to like a brad pitt or george clooney style like career of just like, i don't know if i'd go that far i mean he's at least on par with like a jerry o'connell or something and at least he's had other movies since like whatever he did in the in his 20s. I don't know. It's just weird to me that, like, someone who's that popular... But it's similar to Heather I Graham. I think he like, prefers it, though. I think he prefers it. It's weird. I think that's the difference between Freddie Prince Jr. and Jerry O'Connell. I think Freddie prefers to be just chill, nerdy guy, which is what he is. Whereas Jerry right. O'Connell loves to be front and center. After being the fat kid as, as a child, mm-hmm. he, he, now that he's not, he's just like, hello, it's me, Jerry O'Connell. I love Jerry O'Connell, like... but it does really I love feel Jerry O'Connell. It feels like sometimes he's looking and he's like flexing, like, can you believe it, guys? I'm not fat, which is so strange, but I feel like it's that's like... like he just things like guest thing. host a week of Wendy Williams' show. Yeah, that was weird. I'll, I'll include <laughs> a clip of that below, guys. What the fuck are you doing, Jerry O'Connell? But yeah, so anyway, so it's only, like, the premise is essentially she's a self-help book editor who can't editor. help herself. Editor. Uh, sells itself. But I, this is a lot, uh, this is like, we, we, I mentioned 13 going on 30, that general, like, this is very, like, uh, editorial writing lead characters were very hip. This is probably very similar to, like, a How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I'm surprised, or, yeah, I'm surprised she's not a magazine editor. Right. And it's something that, obviously, it's a really easy go-to choice for a main character's uh, career, but it's almost more shocking that they didn't just lean on that more. There's actually not a huge amount of the act... Like, they kind of do every episode about a different book that she's editing, which is so unrealistic, because I don't know that book editors are editing that many books on every episode. so many she's books to be editing. always editing. She shouldn't have a social life. She must be so busy. It's weird. But so every episode she's editing a different self-help book, um, she's basically just getting the manuscript and then trying to get them to publish. Um, and... Each episode kind of vaguely crescendos up until a point where she realizes, oh, the book is my life. It's like every episode. <laughs> my life. Like that. Oh, but yeah. there are some episodes that don't even deal with a book, so it kind of even throws that out the window. Well, the premise in the it's pilot, weird. which I had to look at that split sided article to get clearer, even after watching the pilot, is that uh, she's decided she's not going to date losers anymore because she's always dated losers, even since she was a kid. 
So she's going to take the book's advice, the self-help books, and she's going to have um, give a guy five reasons why not she, like to be with them, basically, before she dumps them. It's always five reasons and specifically, even though like. Can like, I just say this whole thing where the whole show's premise is Emily's reasons why not? So the whole premise of the show is stolen from a book. It, it, it's something I thought like. Oh, she's like the the author of this book series. Of the book, why exactly. Not? You'd imagine, and she just of course didn't follow it. But no, she's just an editor, and sometimes she does why not books. It's insane. It's truly insane. Like it really comes across like that is her thing, but based off of the way they introduce it, and then like you find out later on, it's like oh no, she's just read. She's basically had reviewed a book where this is the whole premise is to say why you shouldn't date a guy, and it carries over from episode to episode. She does these reasons why not, and the reasons are awful. They're not even like. If it's gonna, like, it's so frustrating. <laughs> what was that? But, like, I only say it, like, if, if that's gonna be the main point of the show, it should be the same 10, 20, 30 reasons that you're pulling from. She's making up random reasons, and every episode they're random yeah, reasons. At first... And they're not even reasons, they're nitpicks. It's like, re- mm-hmm. it's like fucking Seinfeld, where it's like, oh, he talks too loud. Reason why not? It's in, like, oh my god. In the pilot, I thought it was going to mean that, like, that she was going to... Continue counting through episodes, so, like, episode two would be six through blah, blah, blah. Exactly. But no, it's a new one through five every episode, most likely, so you can air out of order, obviously, but... And the and reasons are so It's it progressively more and more, well, this is just nonsense. This can't, This possibly can't be a rule in a book at all. Exactly. And if it is, this is a terrible book. No, it's, they're not, they're definitely not, because, like, they're literally, like, situationally based. And then even then, okay, fine. If they're not reasons from a book, they're reasons from, like, you know, a self-help book that you have to fill in those, like, lines. I'm sure there's a book where it's, like, write your five reasons why you wouldn't date someone. Okay, fine, whatever. But, like, they're not even, like, they're not, she doesn't pick reasons that are legitimate. They're all, like, cop-outs. Like, half of the time it's her own problems that she's applying to the people she's dating. Like, the one is, like, he's boring, essentially. That's not a reason not to date someone. That's a reason why you can't date that person. That just means that they're just different than you. It means that you need someone of a certain, like, type of personality. Not that he's, like, a bad guy. He was interesting to watch. And, You're just boring. You're stupid the pilot, as shit. Like, God. It's not until 11 and a half minutes into the pilot when she even has the first why not, by the way. Right. Oh, God. When he finally did it, I'm like, oh, and I, didn't, I didn't realize there were going to be things written on the screen. And also, it took 11 and a half minutes to get here. And, can I, and also, she's bitching about someone wanting to sleep. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I, the frustrating thing too is that like there's a really easy device you could set up through this. It's like okay, even if they're gonna be your reasons that you're you're delineating against like a weird hang up you have about guys that are too close with their sisters or whatever, like it would make they don't ever use the the fact that like she's about to hit reason five as like a oh oh this is gonna be doomed. Like she, they're always just like. It feels like they could run on forever. Like, the fact that there's even five... Are there five reasons? There may be some that are more. I don't even know. But all I mean is, like... I think like, they're all five reasons. Yeah. Even though you don't really need that many but, with these guys she's with. But it's, it, it, to me, though, it just means that, like, she's just listing off random reasons. Like, give us a deadline of, like, if you if you find five reasons to date a guy and they're all wrong, you should... It's like how to lose a guy in ten days or something. Give us de- definitive, like, one day, two day, three day, reason one, reason two, reason three. That way, by the time you get to reason four, if you have a five reason minimum, you're desperate that nothing's going to go wrong, and then there's one deal breaker and it breaks your heart and you have to dump the guy. Like, it's stupid, but at least it's, like, a plot situation that makes sense instead of just, I don't know, I don't like him here, and then I arbitrarily decide to stop dating him for no reason besides he's just my issues with him have just bundled up to five or more. Like, it's such a weird reason to dump someone, is five reasons or more have 
accrued, and I'm I'm sick of them. Because she could basically just deal. If what if what if a guy only has three reasons why not? Would you date him forever? I don't know. There's no rules here. Well, she's in the KKK, and that's the first thing you find <laughs> out about him. Honestly, like that should she's be the all- for five reasons. <laughs> Give me that episode. God, can we please produce like a small like web series where it's just like you, you t- reasons tweet why not? <laughs> reason oh. one, reason one, he's like a America firster, and then it's just like only reason you need <laughs> goodbye. Just like goodbye. that's what I'm saying. Like, how many reasons are too few that are that are legitimate? Like, or how many are too many? Like, are you giving a guy a hundred reasons? Maybe if he's great in every other respect, but he has a lot of like nitpicky things that you don't like about him. I don't know. But they don't they don't define the rules at all, and so they just I mean, sort of I feel just saying, arbitrary. What Emily needs is uh, therapy to get over this dirtbag fetish. But then I remember there was the NBC show One Hundred Questions, which I'm pretty sure is that same premise. So yeah. it's still a terrible show either way. You, if you do it that way, also you mentioned a deadline. I have to mention the fact. Uh, basically, I always confuse and conflate this show with the failed uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus show, Watching Ellie. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I still thought that's what this was until I started the pilot. Seriously? I was like, where, where, where's the countdown clock? And I was like, I've never seen this show before in my life. That, that's all, and that's why I brought up these other things that I brought up, is this is a very much, like, back in, like, the 2000s, they discovered that you could do, like, situational, premise-based TV shows, and they would still be a hit. So you get, like, uh... Watching Ellie was not. I watched the pilot, and then that was a mess. And then right. they took it off the air for like a year so, to retool it, and that was a bigger mess. So there are some there's some TV shows from this gener- like generation that I can go over that are similar. So it's got a, it's like Eight Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. You get like uh, Samantha Who. You get uh, Samantha Who is great Ellie. though. I mean they're they're all fine shows, yes. but like they're all based off of like this premise is the whole like it's there. I can't. It's like. The premise is the title, basically. That's as superficial as it is. They were either, like, based on books, or they sounded like they were based on books. This is based on a book, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, My Guide to Becoming a Rockstar, or something like that. That, that, those were shows that were, you, every show thought they were Clarissa Explains It All, basically, in a way. Or movies. There was also a lot of movies at this time that were similar, where you get, like, 13 Going on 30, you get uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, you get, like, this is very self-help-centric. You know, they're... And I know it sounds like they're kind of piling on away. These things are obviously also very, like, female-centric mm-hmm. and directed at us. But, like, like I said, Samantha Who was a great show. And there's a good way to do this. But there's also, and that's usually the case with a lot of television and movies, predominantly a bad way to do this. And that's what we got here. Yeah, and I, I've mentioned to you before, which I think I'm going to, like, strongly recommend both now and probably at the end of the podcast. But if you like the concept of this and hate the follow-through... Try watching something like The Bold Type. I think that's a very similar premise. It's, like, set in the workplace. Um, it's about self-help, self-beauty like guides. It's it's the publishing industry. I know it's not quite the same because she's, like, a blogger, basically, uh, slash uh, editorial writer, I think. Um, but she basically has to try and write a story every week, usually about her sex life most of the time, I think, or beauty or something like that. And... She uses her personal life in order to, like, push the narrative forward. And you get episodes where it's like, is it okay to have sex with a guy on the first date or something like that? Where This is where you could easily give us, like, a the same Emily's reasons why not. Like, Emily's reasons why dating a guy on the first date or going home with a guy on the first date could ruin your relationship. Give us that! That's such an easy episode to go around. Like, even shows like, 
I feel like the reason they couldn't do that is because then the Sex and the City comparisons get really strong, and you don't want that. Yeah, but you know, at this time, no <laughs> one was necessarily. If you were watching Sex and the City, you weren't necessarily watching network TV. I mean, there's a chance you were, but like, you maybe wouldn't have the exact same audience. I think they should have just given it a shot. I don't think they would have cared. But like, she basically is doing a Carrie Bradshaw if Carrie Bradshaw was wearing like. I don't know, like, blinders <laughs> and on, like, her three-day, like, drinking jag. Like, there's no, there's no, like, through line where I, you love or hate Carrie Bradshaw. You understood why each week the stuff she was writing in her column was either ironic because it was the advice she couldn't take or directly ripped off from her own personal love life. So, like, there's a direct correlation. Yeah. Like, here there's almost There's none. no really loving or hating Emily, honestly. Yeah, she's so boring. I'm indifferent to her. It's so her. ironic there's an episode about her di- dumping a guy for being boring, because she's, like, one of the least mm-hmm. interesting main characters I've watched in a lot of things recently. And I guess we should, we should talk about Heather Graham now. I, I generally enjoy Heather Graham. I think that she... I understand why they would pick the show up, because she was a star. I think it was either terrible casting, though, or they should have played to her strengths, which is another reason why... Um, ABC should have watched the pilot before they bought the series because the majority of the pilot I was telling you is just her speaking in voiceover and basically Heather Graham having to act out like her how she's feeling uh, internally and it's not working as well as they would want it to and we could also talk about the pedigree of the show which would explain voiceover done right basically from the same creator of the show but just not here and that's well i also mentioned you before not to get back into like the stuff that's similar to this but like something like what women want where it's very it reminds me specifically of the scene in what women want where fucking mel gibson takes marissa tomei back to her apartment and she's like having this like basically like a a breakdown in mentally but she's acting completely not normal but like she's acting regular ish Mm -hmm. but he's hearing her basically like running mental like what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? That kind of stuff. That's what this whole show is, basically. It's, like, that mental, like, she would do something and then, like, have, like, a four or five minute conversation with herself and her character would just be, like, smiling and walking around. It was so weird! And it's just not what you, like, find compelling. Especially because, like, find she's a better balance. Yeah, in the later episodes, but, like, in the pilot, she has maybe three lines of it's actual wild. dialogue. It's wild. It's insane. Oh, my God. Which, again, that's the kind of thing a network would have given actually a good note on to fix because uh, I'd compare it to a recent show um, that was also an ABC show that tanked Manhattan Love Story, which is not a good show, but at least they balanced out the inner voiceover with actual dialogue. That did not happen here. Mm-mm. And it's, it's almost just like when you only hear the mental, like one of my biggest flaws with this is that she has all these like thing pieces of advice or things that she's frustrated with, with the guys but she never says it out loud. She's just mentally saying, oh, I can't stand that he's not talking about this, And even though, like, we just had this happen. Like, she he ran into his his ex-girlfriend, and he never brought it up to me. I'm like, well, ask him, why didn't you bring this up? Like, communicate, but she's talking in her head. She's never talking or interacting with the people around her. So it's like, all these problems she has with these guys are like, if you just, like, opened up and said, like, three words to them, you could deal with it. Like, all she has to say to the one guy is, Hey, I don't find medical dirty talk that arousing. Problem solved. I don't. I've never met anyone who's like, yeah, I'm gonna stop dating a doctor because I can't deal with the fact that he like talks dirty awkwardly. That's a stupid reason. Especially to Especially when it looks like Jay Harrington. Honestly. Honestly, like, what is wrong with this woman? Also, like, another problem. I guess it's maybe just because she's Heather Graham. I, I know she's pretty, but like, I don't know. I guess it's never been like, oh, well, Heather Graham, but like. She is treated on the show as if she's, like, walking sex, which is, I guess, 
she, if she has the ability to, or interest in, in like, hanging I'm... out with random men, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But, like, she was, like, she would, like, go in the pilot, which we'll get into in a second. Like, this guy, like, knocks on her door and says, hey, I, like, hi, my name is whatever. When I go to lunch? I'm like, excuse me? You've never met before. What are you talking about? It was I mean, yeah. weird. I understand that the characterization for Heather Graham, just not in this role, is not with the 2006 costuming they have on her. Oh God. <laughs> when she's looking like a violet, I feel like bad violet for her guard, I'm like, no thank you. I feel you. like this show definitely like fucked up her career, unfortunately. Because I think they, just, they went too full steam into this, and then she kind of went back to doing just like bit parts in movies. I feel like she was on the... But, I don't know. If she had a better show, she's, she could She's better that way, honestly. I agree, like, I agree. Big stuff... Uh-huh. Big Star Heather Graham, I don't think ever worked, but like little niche thing. She was really good on uh, the past couple seasons of Anti Tribeca. She was really funny uh-huh. there. She's currently on this uh, new British show Bliss, which is uh, pretty good. She's good there too, as like this anxious uh, woman who's like trying to break free from her terrible husband. Which it's actually it's a dark comedy about a man who's married to two women, and she's one of the women basically, uh-huh. and they don't know it. So. It's good. She's good in things. Should she be the star of a sitcom? If yeah, it's a good sitcom, maybe. So, let's, let's get, so we now have the premise pretty much over. We did go into a lot, but honestly, I don't have a ton of notes for the, even the pilot because there's not a ton that even happens. It's like a very... We were talking before, there's never a B-plot. I took a ton of notes because I'm yeah. like, this is insane. This is, yeah, the show is all A-plot. Wild. Uh, especially in the pilot. It's not... This doesn't happen anymore. That's not how TV like, works. So, That's not how TV ever worked, I don't think. And also, also like, not only is there only an A-plot, it's not even like there's like... It's like a, like a true crime show or like a, a criminal drama or like like a sci-fi thing where it's such a heavy A plot they never bother with a B plot. There's literally like no other plot besides her trying to date a guy. Like if any show could handle a B plot, it would be something like this where there's literally nothing else going on. Like if there's heavy lifting to be done with like actual storytelling. And again, I don't mean I'm not trying to demean rom-coms or anything. Like if give me a good solid rom-com like like say like similar in vibe to this, I would say something like a Drop Dead Diva. That's a show where it's pretty lighthearted, but like it still manages a B-plot, because you need to have something going on. Because that's how TV like... works. Yeah, exactly. Like, it has to move the, the plot along, because you're going to spend so much time on one premise that the rest of the episode just feels like, when it's over, I'm like, wait, it's done? What just happened? <laughs> like, I feel like nothing happened this whole episode, and it didn't. Well, so... we know she has two <sighs> ethnic best friends, because they get a scene to be her two ethnic best friends. Oh, Jesus Christ. So we get right into it, and we are introduced to Emily in the pilot. So uh, she immediately starts off, like, she introduces the concept of, like, being... Being herself. Being... So that's me, Emily Sanders. Literally the first thing she says, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And am I wrong in remembering this, or is she, like, re- I, that's why when I, maybe we're wrong on the whole, like, where she gets the reasons why not. Because I thought that the, she's, in the flashback, she has a reason why not, is the smoking, right? I think... But no, because she didn't write it. I think she's just going back and making the thing and applying that. To yeah. Like... But this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm talking about. Also, that's she... how. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But also, she understands not to start smoking in school. And also, I guess that was Riley who suggested the cigarettes. I'm just now realizing. Um, but yeah, she realizes to say no smoking, but she doesn't realize to say no to dirtbag guys. And also, like that's how arbitrary the the reasons why not in quotations are because you can literally like. Oh, I've been introduced to this new concept. It's something I've been doing my whole life, but now I just have a word for it. It's like, 
that's too that's way too vague. If you've been doing something your whole life and you didn't have a word for it, that means you probably didn't need a word for it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> like, Jesus. So she has this weird flashback to when she's in middle school, and you're right, they don't they don't mention it's Riley until we see the same young girl later in another flashback, but um it's her being offered a pack of cigarettes in school. Like they're gonna start smoking while they're watching an overhead projector of like like microbiology. Well, as we know, Riley like, is a badass. She's anti-establishment, so she's yeah. gonna burn the mother down. Yeah, so she, she's like, oh no, I don't want to smoke because my grandma smokes. Cut to like the old lady from Double Meat Palace, just like hacking <laughs> up along. And it's like such an awful like introduction to a TV show. Is like the the first or second shot is like an older lady like. Like, honestly, in the late stages of lung cancer. Like, it's fucked up. Like, this lady has emphysema out the ass. And it's like, I don't need to see her sitting there going like... <laughs> like, it's sad. And But hey, like, there's one good thing about it. The Go-Go's Our Lips Are Sealed are pl- is playing during this. And that's yes, good. Yes, yes. This show has some but good like, music. And that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> if you're trying to introduce a character... Again, this is maybe a network note situation. But if you're trying to introduce a character and her first act is making fun of the fact that her grandmother's dying from emphysema... Like, maybe don't do that. <laughs> like, I, I know that, like, obviously you can you can be upset at someone who smokes. That's, like, your prerogative. But, like, to basically say, like, oh, I'm not going to be gross like that is so... Ugh. And it's not, like... She's a child. Like, you don't need to make the, the first act that she thinks or does as, like, a flashback to her being a kid. And, honestly, very... Uh, uh, how would you say it? I guess, like, naive or just, like, immature. Just sort mm-hmm. of, like... I don't want to do that because I've seen someone like in a very like she doesn't she doesn't say it in a legitimate way like she's sad about it she's literally just like oh no I don't want to smoke and then it cuts back to her like regular life and applies that same like common sense to her uh, shitty tasting guy well because so, also in this back flashback it has the kid who like spitballs her and he's like that makes you my lady that's what he says to her oh right yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah he says that means you're my lady and. There. <laughs> That's why it's immature, though, because, like, in the same scene where she's, like, basically, like, uh, grandstanding, like, haha, I'm not gonna smoke, I'm too good for that, um, this other little, like, bratty kid spit- throws a spitball at her and is like, hey, you wanna hang out later, basically? And she's like, she looks at him like, ew, but then, like, you see, like, her, I don't know, like, her, her dam break, and suddenly she's like, okay, sure, I'll go, like, uh, like, immediately she fucking gives in to this guy over nothing. Just him, like, smiling at her for more than a minute. And then you, you kind of get the idea that she's basically just, like, a pushover for all guys, I guess. But that's not, again, I don't know that you should hang such a specific type of, like, the whole premise of the show on, like, the acting of a child actor in a flashback scene for a character you've never even seen yet. Like, at least introduce us to Emily first and then do the flashback, you know what I mean? Like, that's, like, kind of the first scene, essentially. It's, like, Heather Graham's smiling, and then it cuts immediately to this, like, flashback, and it's, like, a good, solid, minute-long flashback. It's weird. And so then, um, you know, th- she she's dating this guy who's one of the, the modern-day versions of the shitty guy she was interested in when she was younger. His name, of course, is uh, awful and dumb, Reese Callahan, which is terrible. But, but uh, he's he Mark Valley, so it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he's got two cell phones going, and what's frustrating too is that she finds out. Like, so he leaves the house. They, he sleeps over because they hooked up, and then he goes running out of the house, and she calls after him like, "You forgot your cell phone." I'm like, his whole bag's sitting there. This is the first time in this episode someone leaves their bag behind in her place for her what to snoop through. Who is 
leaving their bags places. Like, I would never... It was clearly, like, a... Where do you have their grandma? Just leave their, your, your, your bag there. Yeah, and it's like an attache. It's not something you'd leave behind. Even if he was just going to, like, his house or to work, he'd bring that with him. It's weird. At least a gym bag later on. That makes a little more sense because it was dirty, I mean, but... I know this is going, jumping ahead, but can I add another reason why it's stupid she's an editor? Mm-hmm. Because what happens to her with uh, Mark Valley is basically the book he wrote about being a dirtbag to women, and she didn't expect it to happen. She's his editor. Why didn't she and expect I it wonder, to happen? Part she, of me does wonder if that was supposed to be like a how to lose a guy situation. She's like surprised afterwards. She's surprised what his book is. Did you not edit it? But I. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like they don't do enough to actually establish it. Because I thought maybe she edited <clears> it after. Like they had had the relationship, then he wrote the book. But they don't establish that. I mean, that's me. That's me giving them a lot of the fucking credit because really they probably just. She probably is reading it like, oh, these these dumb girls, and she's doing the same shit that they, he was doing to her. But it is crazy because he literally wrote the book on being a manipulative, manipulative piece of shit, and instead of saying, "Hey, you're a manipulative piece of shit," she just like kind of like rolls her eyes and then like continues to work with him. It's weird. The whole situation's weird. So he she says to him like, "Hey, you forgot your cell, like AKA your whole entire bag, dude," and then pulls out a cell phone, but it's not ringing. She's like, "Wait a minute, what?" And then she has another cell phone she finds in there, and she's like, oh. And then somehow, I mean, it is, like, the, the 2000s, so it's, like, not even, like, a cell phone. It's basically just, like, a, a small, like, beeper. <laughs> but uh, it has all these pictures on it of women. But, like, mm-hmm. weird, like, headshots, like, clearly yeah. not taken on a cell phone. Yeah, they're, like, Google what? images. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's one of those things that really frustrates me with TV shows. They have these, like, photos. Like, all you gotta do is just use the phone you're holding to take a picture. That's it. Just, ha- she's there. Just have her take a picture, but... So the she's, like, budget, in these, as big like, as they are, pho- like, bad photoshopping is what gets me. Yeah. Oh, my God. So then she goes through all these pictures of these random women. She's like, oh, my God, he's dating all these random women. I mean, do we have- This is, again, part of what frustrates me. We don't know that they're exclusive. You need to define that for me, please. Because for all we know, they're just hooking up, and that's completely chill of him to have a bunch of girls on his mm-hmm. phone. Whatever. Explain this to me that she's in an exclusive relationship with him and she's hoping to get engaged or something. You know, like, especially when this could be considered again when you know his book research. Honestly, like yeah. And so they immediately cut to her afterwards, like not even dealing with it. Essentially, just like okay, we're not going to deal with this. I'm just going to get drunk. They make a voodoo, voodoo doll. doll. <sighs> Grown women making voodoo dolls. Okay. And that's uh, where we get ethnic friends, baby. Yeah. And so we, we were introduced to Josh and uh, Riley, our two best friends. And again, um, I feel like, we, I don't know if we've said this, but like, this is a talented cast. So, um, Riley's played by Nadia Dijani, who I personally know from Delocated and the Carrie Diaries. She was also a regular on Ned and Stacey. And then Josh is Carrie Payton, uh, who does the voice of Cyborg on all the Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go and Justice League things. And Aqualad and Young Justice, and he's currently on The Walking Dead, so... He's great, too. Yeah. What's frustrating with him is that they really give him nothing. He's barely a character. At least Riley gets moments. Yeah, Riley gets moments, because she's basically... Riley is the best best friend. friend. She's the one who offers cigarettes in in class. Right, and so she gets these moments where, like... I mean, it is a very common, like... You've got the female best friend, and then the gay best friend, which, again, was back... I'm guessing Josh is someone they met in college, is what it would seem like. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, so, she's given Riley's given a lot more to work with. Not even a ton, but just somewhat. She gets an epic so dedicated to her. 
Yeah, and Josh, I mean, he does have a partner, so you do kind of see a little bit of his life, but really it's just he's there for the zingers. That's the one sentences. thing I like about Josh. I thought, like, I kind of thought when he, he brings up his boyfriend, it was like a, like a punchline that anyone will never see him. And this boyfriend's, like, part of the gang, basically. He is a mm-hmm. character. I, I appreciate that, at least. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's they're both good. Everyone's pretty decent, but there's not a ton to do, and the writing is not great. So, like, they're mm-hmm. always kind of just, like, saying all these awfully stereotypical things. But, uh, so they're talking about how mm-hmm. it's frustrating to, like, uh, uh, Find someone in this, yeah, yeah this, this Riley saying pool of guys is terrible, blah, Monogamy's blah, blah. overrated, and be- mm-hmm. because we know nothing about the character yet, like I said, she's anti-establishment, but we don't learn that till later, like, it just seems like, oh, she's, she's just the, the girl, the girlfriend is like, oh, no, you just want to sleep with everyone, you're the Samantha or something, it's like, no, she's just, she's basically like the hippie of, of, the, of the crew, or like, She's either like a hippie or a punk rocker, depending on what the episode is, basically. And they she's don't... so good, though. She like, is. That, that actress is able to do so much with almost nothing on the on the written script. Like she does a lot of her acting mm. in like little moments between scenes. Like, yeah, it's, it's wild that they have. She, she, she makes great facial animated. expressions in reaction to yeah. like all this nonsense. And I think we did discuss earlier, which we'll get to when we talk to the other episodes. But she has probably the only decent scene of the entire show <laughs> it's carried by her she made me uh, cry guys yeah me both cry. so that says a lot because this show is not good and even that episode was not good until the last minute that it made me like absolutely suddenly break down but it's fully it had mark valley doing actress. karaoke it's a great episode of television yeah and so uh she decides to try and like you know i only meet a nice guy from now on that she's gonna go against her normal or normal guys by using her reasons why not, even though this is something she's essentially been using her whole life, she's going to suddenly start applying it to her love life. And she decides to only date nice guys from this point forward. And, of course, the next day at work, this is where I was talking before. So this is one of those scenes where I'm like, This is insane. Who the fuck? It's insane. Who the fuck wrote this? Who the fuck? How did it get to the point where they were shooting it? And no one said, this is 100% unrealistic. Hendergram, again, like, she played, like, the hot girl of the sex pot before but and i think she's very attractive but i feel like with this character it makes no sense for people just falling over who could they have cast where it would have made sense do you think yeah if you go back to something like we mentioned scrubs where she's definitely treated as like the hot girl in many but she's, respects she's also very quirky she like she's elliot's best friend and they're just right. like hot nerds together basically but but also but look at the difference between her character being introduced in the show and someone like heather locklear being exactly in the show. That's the level we're talking- They're treating her like a Heather Locklear. And again, I'm not trying to pit women against women. I don't <laughs> care. Obviously, she's probably the fucking end-all be-all for a lot of guys and girls. But I just, to me, they're treating her as if she is straight up just like fucking Yvonne Strahovski or something. Like, what the fuck am I and seeing walking into that my That is not how the character is portrayed. Right. It's like, you bring up Yvonne Strahovski- if she was presented the way Emily is here, it wouldn't make sense either, honestly. Exactly. Because yeah. that is how people who are not your- main love interest, main characters that are supposed to be, like, blindingly attractive are introduced on a TV show. And same goes for guys. Like, it wouldn't have made sense to introduce someone who I find attractive, mm-hmm. even though they're, like, you know, somewhat... Like, say, like, you you introduce, uh, like, speaking of Chuck, you introduce Zachary Levi by every account by most people I know, even though he's quirky on the show, a very attractive guy with the right lighting and, and introduction. Mm-hmm. But you introduce someone like uh, Ryan McPartland suddenly it's like, okay, there's a different level of attractiveness. Then there's people walking over Zachary Levi. 
Yeah, like you literally, like your eyes kind of glow a little bit when you're watching them. Now, you may not find that attractive, or like even like a Matthew Bomer. Like, you're gonna get a different vibe from that character because when you're being introduced to them, it's almost like it's again, it's like an editing technique, which is ironic on a show about an editor, even though it's a book editor. They didn't actually do anything to actually make it more sensible that she's being treated as if she is someone like walked out of a magazine attractive. Mm -hmm. And they never comment on it either. Like, they never have this, the best friends mention the fact that, like, she basically... Okay, so we're, we're, we're dancing around the actual point. So she's at at work. She's never met this person. She's just... She, I don't think she even was either told... No, he's, like, new to the office. Yeah. I'm Stan yeah, from right? marketing. It's, it's Victor Webster, who uh, people probably know right. as Coop from Charmed. And uh, don't hold that against him, though. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, the C should have stood for Cole, and Phoebe and Cole should have ended up together. Sorry, Coop. Uh, uh, or he was on Melrose Place 2.0 with Heather Locklear, actually. He worked for her. Um, but yeah, and they do a lot to, to nerd him up, kind of, here, with the glasses and the 2006 hair. But later in the episode, when they're in the photos booth, and he's, like, smiling, like, there it is. <laughs> you, can't, you can't hide the hotness that much. Yeah, it's a weird decision on their part. They do this often with the guys where they're just trying to make it, like, isn't it funny that he's attracted to her? It's like, not really. It's Victor fucking Webster. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be shocked. That, like, they're both attractive people. Yeah, they'd want to hook up. I buy it. I don't even I don't even doubt the fact that, like, him hitting on her that quickly is even that unrealistic. It's just literally... The way it happens. So here's what happens. She's We keep going around it, but it's so funny. So she's at work. She's standing there at her desk. He literally knocks on the door and says, Hi, I'm Stan from Marketing. He says, Oh, hi, Stan. And she looks at him like, Ooh, hello. And he's like... He smiles at her and says, Do you want to get lunch sometime? It was wild! I was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> I, like... It would have made more sense if he even just, like, walked across the room at, at the lunchroom or something. Like, can we sit together or go on seat? Like, it was weird. Like, he literally introduces her, himself to her and then immediately asks her out. Like, in and, the and next time, It's like, it's now. Do you want to get lunch? Yeah, it's like, he's like, hi, I'm Stan. Would you like to go to lunch? It's like, honestly, he didn't know she was going to be attractive. It still felt like he was about to ask her anyway. It's weird. And well, so they go out to lunch. Well, wait. Fucking go. Her response, by the way, is... and. It makes no sense because no one here is British, by the way. And she's like, uh, "Sure, I'll just grab my shag. I mean, bag." God, that's so dumb. I didn't even realize that was the joke. Yeah, that's how stupid and obtuse it was. It made no sense as a joke because I thought she just like misspoke. But you're right. Of course, she's saying shag. Like, ha ha ha. Oops, I almost said shag. But uh, they go to lunch, and then like later on, she starts. It's basically told in flashbacks. Yes, she, like goes to lunch. And because then, like, my next note is, is actually, oh my god, the outfits, and then the purple and the scarf. Which you have to take a screen cap of this outfit that she wears. It's like she's telling it's her like friends classic about this. Classic 2006. It's a skinny, like long purple scarf, like fucking Doctor Who style. She got all uh, of her accessories from Claire's. You know she did. She got all of her accessories so from Claire's. Yes, it really is like a, it's like a basically if you could took a snapshot of it and threw it on like a Claire's like mm -hmm. poster, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is just promo for Claire's. I'm surprised Amy Heckerling didn't work on this show, and it kind of just feels like they're ripping off her entire aesthetic for things. They really are, and not necessarily, and poorly, and so specifically, it's not even like they're necessarily ripping off like um Cher or Dion. They're ripping off uh what's her name, the third Amber. Amber. <laughs> It's specifically Amber. And you can tell. Like, that's how specific, guys. I'm not even joking. It's strictly, like, an Amber-only, like, fashion situation for everything that Emily wears. And it's, like, 
I don't hate it. It's just like a really weird choice. I, I do hate it. I'm like, how is this happening? Listen, we all made mistakes back then. <laughs> they were making some we serious were... mistakes in Echo Park back then. Oh my god. But so she uh, she reminisces about their lunch together by like going over it with her friends. And like the shit she talks about is basically like capital B, capital A, capital A, being an adult. Because <laughs> uh, he like pulls out her chair for her. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, he's doing the basic fucking minimum. That's how pathetic like, her life Girl. is. Exactly. And so she's like, and then like the reasons why not is like, she she she's basically like saying like all the reasons why she wouldn't want to date him is just like, there anything beyond that is just like things that she's having an issue with because she's just insecure or weird, but um, so she goes to lunch with them. She has a great time. She's obsessed with them now. They're dating. He pours and... her mineral water. Is that a thing? What are the things like he orders yeah, mineral water he pours and he pours it for water. her? And so like like the waitress order it. He he talks about the hot Latina porn star waitress that he just ignored apparently, and then they had weird too yeah. like. It was so. In a, I mean, I guess again, it was like two thousand four or five, six, whatever. Two thousand six. In two thousand six, yeah. there was just poor waiting. No, no, not not that. The whole like he didn't even pay attention. And when you said like his the hot Latina porn star, I'm just quoting it. You're quoting it. That's the TV show. Like it was not to me. As soon as I heard, that, I was like, Jesus. I was like, and it's not to say that there's not stuff that I watched that's even more like obscene or or like over the top, but like the way she says it with such disdain is like, what? I'm just like rooting for this person again. I'm only saying that because this is preemptive to them being pretty terrible the rest of the episode. And also, this person who's like again, every man in the world wants her. Okay, I'm glad it like ended before there could be like a lesbian who wanted her. Honestly, mm, um, honestly. so why does she feel so intimidated by this this, this woman? And apparently, you're the hottest around. It makes no sense. Like you can't have someone who's who's getting asked out in the same breath that they're being introduced to someone, and then have them insecure over the waitress. Like, there's literally an episode later where there's a DJ playing, and the DJ like yes! walks up to her, is like, "Well, I get off like in a few minutes. You want you want to get out of here?" And you, that's, exactly that's the first time he about. spoke. Also, that was the first time he spoke to her that's, the entire time. That's what I'm talking about. Like this, these are the type of interactions that she's having, where someone is seeing her for the first time, walks up and says, "Hey, I'm done at ten. You want to get drinks sometime or, or later tonight?" Like, that's that's so direct. That's so direct in many ways. And I do not, I don't doubt that someone like Heather Graham gets that interaction. But you can't put a character in that echelon of like people trying to date her all the time. And then have her be this, like, insecure, weird, like, uptight person. It's just straight- I mean, I know the people who are attractive have insecurities and are uptight, but, like, give us more excuse about why she's that way. If, basically, if there's a reason why she's that uptight or insecure, there's other things going on that we're not seeing. Because she's not acting insecure until moments where it's convenient for her personality to have quirks like that. Mm-hmm. Every other interaction she has, she seems like a perfectly pleasant person who has bad taste in except, men. Well, except for but... her interactions with our, our favorite character, but we'll, we'll get there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we'll get okay, there. So she, she, uh, also, oh. like, when I mentioned Chuck earlier, this is like 100% set in the courtyard that Chuck lives in, so yeah. I'm trying to throw a snapshot of that. It's very weird. Because Chuck started 2007, and this was the 2005, 2006 uh, TV schedule. So I want to buy they it. They this first. like, kept the set dressed and, like, literally just moved in Chuck. Yeah, because... <laughs> it's where Chuck and, um... Uh, his sister both live yeah. in that corner. The basis is Echo Park, but obviously they had, like, a set for it. So, yeah, they, they just reused that, it looks like. Twinkle lights and everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, and the music. I think there's, like, at least oh, a yeah, few Coop- songs throughout Cooper- the show. Cooper Style plays at, at one point. It's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. 
But yeah, so, this was like uh, a year before, technically two years, I guess, when it was a film. So yeah, it's just that was the yeah. jam. Um, and then she gets frustrated that he doesn't really want to hook up. Well, not, he's, he's I, not kissing her. Well, not yet, not yet. So we get through the whole bunch, and they they shared a salad and a dessert. Okay, mm-hmm. they both no, they both ordered a salad and shared a dessert. Which mm-hmm. then we get the opening credits, and we have to unpack the opening credits because. My first note is the this is well. No, my first note. That's my second note. My first note is what if Sex in the City but bad, and then my second uh, note is is this a Macy Gray song? Yes. I'm like before I even go. Hmm. I then see created by Emily Kapnick, and I I I just I wrote that in all caps, and then I write in all caps. I stole my gender, and then I scream. How the hell did this happen? <laughs> now, for people listening at home, here's how I got through that trajectory. Emily Katnick, the first thing she ever created, uh, she was a writer for other things, but the first thing she created was the Nickelodeon com- uh, animated show, As Told by Ginger. Mm-hmm. That's why I made the Macy Gray connection, because Macy Gray sang the theme song for that. Mm-hmm. This show was her first act- ever live-action show that she was the showrunner for, creator for. It she- shows. <laughs> yes. She went on to create actual good shows, such as Selfie and Suburgatory. So... How did this happen? She also she's written other things too. She wrote for Rocket Power also, very specifically animated. But yes, she's a very very talented woman, and I drove myself mad looking for any interview she could have possibly uh, conducted about this show, and apparently nothing. She never talked about this, and I need to know how this happened. <laughs> no, and there and the scene we're talking we were talking about earlier that like made us both cry out of nowhere. Is a, a good example of how I don't know that she wrote that episode or even was involved uh, in it necessarily, but like it's a very good. Yeah, she wrote that episode. Of, she definitely, yeah, she wrote well, that episode. That explains <laughs> it. But it it's like if you pulled that scene and plot that in the twin episode, which makes the most sense. Yeah, it's basically a scene from one of those shows through into this show. So I don't know how much of the like I know network wasn't necessarily involved, but like I, I wonder how much of the producers or other people involved in the show were like being being said like. This has to be specific to the type of premise of a girl who's doing mm. self-help books or something mm. because it's a weird departure from the other mm. stuff that she does. I mean, it's similar in the sense that they're both in publishing, I think, or whatever. There are like there are moments where you can similar. tell, like this is obviously her early things. She went on to like the twin episode is also the episode she wrote, and I'm like, that's got the weirdness of uh, the kind of show she would do later on, mm. and. Then, that is a weird episode. Yeah, exactly, right? It's, it's, but yeah, that's her kind of weird. And then, I'm really nauseous watching that whole episode. <laughs> but yeah, also... I'm waiting for them to like hook up or something terrible. You know, <laughs> I don't want this. What would have happened if this was like a Spurgatory or Selfie? Or it would have just been like... Yeah, or a Friends episode. They would have been recurring characters who you, you question every once in a while. But like, are you hooking up? But yeah, then yeah. the the other one, the best uh, the best friend episode, the one that made us cry. Like that's also that's the that's her her emotional part. So like the things that she she'd be known for are here in the show, but they're not in this pilot. Unless I just missed out on a bunch bunch of homophobia in Rocket Power. I don't know. I don't remember it, but it's it's here. It's here, and it's proud. So, <laughs> but we should also but... say um, this show was also produced. Well, it was direct. The pilot and other episodes were directed by Michael Patrick D- Jan of the State, and he also directed the classic film Drop Dead Gorgeous. So he was a producer on the show. Um, Robin Schiff, who wrote Romeo and Michelle and some episodes of Our Beloved Gross Points, 
And Tenth and Jay, no, but I mentioned Jay. Gavin yeah. Pallone before, yeah. who also was involved in Drop Dead Gorgeous, as well as Gilmore mm-hmm. Girls and similar yeah. female-centric TV shows. Yeah. I think I would say. Yeah, Ali Adler. Uh, you guys most likely know her for producing Supergirl. She worked on Glee, No Ordinary Family, obviously, which we've t- talked about before. I think we probably talked about her then. Chuck, yep. of course, and Life as We Know It, also a beloved show of, of the Televoid. Mm-hmm. So there are so tons of people. Made, they've made good yeah. decisions before, but this is like <laughs> even the, this this. Is the reason why not the show. Even before this, they made good decisions, and yet oh, now to be introduced to the best character on this goddamn show. Oh my god! <sighs> so they they introduce us to her. I would, I guess, call, you're supposed to be like a protege, but she's not even treated like a protege. She's, her she's former, former assistant, assistant turned rival now after her backstabbing former assistant is what she calls her. Oh, heavy, heavy quotation marks around backstabbing. Excuse Sorry me. Sorry, you fuck, yeah. Emily. Glitter Cho, the god. Okay, so Glitter Cho is introduced, and let me just say that the minute she's introduced, I immediately, like, relaxed in a certain way because I was like, oh, thank God, someone's going to call this idiot on her bullshit because... <laughs> She has been behaving like a maniac since the first start of the episode, and no one said shit to her because they're all, like, her friends. Even though, like, Riley and, like, Josh later on in the other episodes kind of give her some shit occasionally, mm-hmm. she's pretty much treated like this goofy girl who's just trying to find love. And she should be fired, no like, 20 it. times in the series already. I love her. I love her. I love her. Mm-hmm. I, she's the classic yes. uh, pushpin in a balloon that you mm-hmm. need in a rom-com. She is like every person who's basically like like saddles up like with a fucking like the dark horse and the storm clouds behind her like I'm gonna ruin that lady's day. But yeah. I'm glad. Glitter Cho I'm is glad because she's great. Is played by the very delightful Smith Cho, who if you watch Jane by Design, which you should have because I love Jane by Design, she played guidance counselor Rita Shaw, another iconic character. She's everything. Yeah, she's great, and honestly, like. To me, you needed someone like this on a show like this, at least. They should have done more with her, to be honest. But she is, like... She gives the show so much more, like, depth. Like, immediately. Like, the whole show is so stupid. At least you have someone here <laughs> doing, like, the fucking catty, like, traditional mm-hmm. rom-com mm-hmm. thing. Like, the show itself, even though it is set up like a comedy or, or romantic, it's not actually doing that well. So at least one part of it is similar to the traditional formula formula of like a rom com, and, and Glitter Cho is bringing it the yeah. whole time. So Glitter brings in uh, Mark Valley's book, basically. What's the book called? Do you remember? Oh no! About it, okay, give me lies, a it was like lies men tell. Li- hook lie, yeah, it's hook lie and sinker, <laughs> and then it's basically the lies we tell women and the women and the lies women tell themselves. Mm-hmm. It's so shitty. So yeah, he literally so wrote the, the book guy on that, Emily. Sorry, we should say that's the guy that was. It's written by Reese Callahan, the guy that she was dating before. Wrote a book called uh, Hook Lie and Sinker: The Lies We Tell Women and the Lies Women Tell Themselves. And then she basically comes in drops down a copy of the book and says must suck to be the like basically the plot point of your exploit. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Point. She says, Yep, he wrote the book on manipulating women and you published it. Honestly, like, where's the lie? Where's the lie? She's reading her for filth and it's great. Because it's true. And then if any of her friends were decent friends, they would have been they would have been saying, Why are you dating someone who's writing self help books about treating women like shit? And you should know he's doing this because you're his editor. But like He's old enough, I don't think this is his first book, Mm -hmm. you know? So he's been writing... And again, I go back to something with the bold type. Like, there are shows where you have... Or even, like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. 
that those characters that like there's a recurring character in the bull type who dates the main character for a while who is basically like the lead um staffer at a kind of like i don't even know how to describe it i guess it's kind of like hustler meets gq or something where it's kind of like a men's health some some should be like a men's centric magazine is basically there to get guys to know how to get girls in bed but he has like actually a decent human being. Like you find out, like his his articles have shitty like clickbait headlines that are like, <laughs> uh, like sh- if she's shitty in bed, should she be shitty like in the rest of your life? Like stupid stuff like that, you know. But so like you have someone who's outright like maybe this guy is a dirtbag that he's just dating her, manipulating her, and writing a book about it. But like an interesting show would would actually like delve into that and talk about like why he did what he did explain that maybe he didn't come from a bad place, he was just writing, he was doing his job, and they could try and work past it. Like, there are, and that's kind of like how Losing Guy in 10 Days, like, yes, he's writing about trying to fucking, like, hook up with a girl, he, I don't think he's even writing, he just made a bet, but regardless, like, he's just trying to hook up with a girl and, and keep her for a week. Um, but her, I guess you could say that the villain of that would be Andy, where she writes a, 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 a column about losing a guy, and you find out, like, the reason, like, her whole articles about how like she screwed up basically like there is an interesting way to discover someone is kind of a manipulative piece of crap but they make him so one note that at least glitter show has the respect of like calling it out for that like if you were friends with this woman and she did all this with this this guy wouldn't you have that kind of conversation be like the first part of the episode but no it's just like monogamy's for losers like it's just they don't ever talk about the fact that, like, it's weird that he wrote a book about your love life. You should discuss that, please. And at least Glitter Joe's like, isn't that fucking weird? No one else even mentions the fact that, like, he wrote a whole book about it, just that he was a piece of shit. I mean, Maybe I had that conversation, but we don't see it, at least. Glitter Joe literally, like, later reads her for, for, like, being a professional and dating someone who works yes! there. She's dating an yes! author and dating someone who works there, like. And also, don't can we just say, Emily? Um, yeah, later on we're introduced to another, we'll get into that in a, in a wrap-up when we talk about the rest of the season, but, like, well, a couple episodes, I guess. Uh, but uh, she hires a, an assistant, and you get multiple flashbacks in this episode, among others, where you find out that, like, Glitter Cho was quote-unquote a backstabbing uh, underling. Now, yes, she did take an idea that they discussed kind of together. I mean, technically... Emily is the one that says it out loud, but she says it to Glitter, and for all we know, Emily's just gonna sit on the idea and never do anything with it. We don't know that she's gonna pitch it. Like, they don't discuss that part of it. But either way, she says, like, they're, they're mid-conversation when we see this idea take take form, and she just pitches it to the upper link staff quicker. Now, yes, maybe some people will consider that a little conniving, but, you know, whatever. She fucking did it. And, and like, secondly, in Emily's mind, Glitter would never rise up the ranks and be her assistant forever. Exactly. And that's why I'm, that's what my, my second point is, like, sure, okay, she may have overstepped her bounds, but, like, a good boss would have been trying to get that assistant promoted since she worked there. We don't know how long she worked there, but I'm guessing it was probably long enough that, like, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy to promote someone from assistant to like the equivalent of Emily. So like, you can't expect someone who's your assistant to want to stay your assistant forever. And the way she's introducing this later on assistant she hires is kind of like, congrats, you have a job now. Period. You're done. Like the concept of him trying to move up the ranks is like un. She doesn't understand. And like he introduces himself to glitter like, haha, I'm loyal. I'm gonna stay around. But even in saying that, he's saying like. I'm I'm thankful for the things she's offering me. I'm like, well, she doesn't want you to leave. She wants you to stay exactly where you are. Like, that's not a good 
boss. Like, bosses should be trying to help you do better. And and not necessarily move up immediately, but, like, she might say, like, hey, you know, I'm my plate's kind of full. You should pitch that to the staff. Like, that's a completely reasonable thing in another show where they would say, hey, that's, thanks for helping me, like, get my brain around that. You should pitch it. We could work on it together. Like, there are a million ways they could have shown that. The only reason she's a villain is because they frame it like she, she pitches this thing about, uh, writing a like a how-to book on like post honeymoon and she says let's just pitch it like it's not to me it's not like a, a clear enough steal another to reason should have been a lot more another reason glitter's you know. not a villain uh, really is because she's the only character in the show who's not homophobic apparently honestly and so we'll get right into that so yeah, you will. after she meets after she like meets with glitter and glitter basically just like <laughs> trashes her appropriately um, she starts realizing all these things are adding up because she she talks to her about this guy that she's dating, and like for someone who's she's what I'm talking about like she's she's so dumb in so many ways. <laughs> so she's like talking to Glitter and like Glitter says something really vague about the fact that like I must the kissing must be great or something like that, and then she finds out like she lets Glitter figure out based off of her like reaction that she's never kissed her boyfriend yet. Because apparently like, he's her boyfriend really, at this point. Like, one day. They had lunch. She like, like, gets really into the things she's done for like a day or a week. She wants a guy to choose his, her over his sister after like knowing them, him for a week. So Yeah, and so she's like really, she's unnerved that this guy hasn't kissed her after seeing him for one lunch. And immediately it spins her out of control. And so the next date they go on, which is basically their first official date is that they go lunch. Mm-hmm. She's basically, like, fucking, like, waiting for him to make a move, and, of course, he doesn't make any outright moves, so she gets really, like, insecure about it, and she's like, alright, well, you're staying over, right? And she, like, basically, like, climbs on top of him in her bedroom, and he's like, let's just pump the brakes on this, I want to snuggle first. And, like, look, this is something that's probably a problem across the board, but especially in this moment, because... They're treating it like a wildly, like, inappropriate thing for him to turn down sex. I'm like, no, it's a completely healthy thing if he thinks that, like, there's something up with this girl, she's really trying to jump me. I'm okay with displaying some intimacy of snuggling with her, but I don't want to, like, overstep my bounds and, like, do something that she might regret later. Like, there are a lot of nuanced ways of, like, discussing that without just saying, like, him saying, well, let's just snuggle first. But of course, the reason why they do that is because they want to have the hilarious punchline of the next morning, her waking up, him leaving, never having realized this apparently, but she realizes that he's wearing bronzer and it's all over her sheets. And so they're like, wah, wah, like, well, why would okay, a guy wearing bronzer? I guess in 2006, people were still tanning, which is was a bad idea, but like, holy shit, the way they go into bronzer as though it's... The same thing as lipstick? Basically, they call it makeup. Uh, well, I'll quote Riley where she says, Holy implied homosexuality. Oh, yeah, here we, here we go. Here, let me, yeah, let me, yeah, yeah, that's my, my first note is, Cool, let the homophobia fly, I guess. My like, is, geez. how is the budget all over the sheets? He was wearing jeans and just shirtless, and right. it was all over the sheets. That's a problem. And- yeah. Can I just say, as someone, I've never really worn bronzer, but I, I know from wearing, like, basic foundations and stuff, if you're wearing a shirt on top of whatever you're wearing, that wouldn't, it would have already rubbed off on the shirt. Like, why would taking the shirt off suddenly make it, like, all over the, the sheets? It would have been, whatever could have rubbed Someone off would have rubbed off bronzer. <laughs> and also, like, if you're wearing bronzer, he should wear something on top of it to keep, to keep it stable, because that just sounds like he just slathered on a bunch of fucking, like, well, yeah, this SPF leads... and was, like, leaving the house. What? Well, okay, so this leads to reason why not number two. Number one was the whole, he means he wants to sleep with you, literally, basically. Number two is, he wears makeup, 
and this is where we get the, the holy implied homosexuality. But that's because that's where they go through his gym bag because again, people are just leaving bags at her apartment. And and when they talk about the bronzer, they, they basically say like, yeah, he's wearing makeup. And they cut to this guy in the mirror, literally like in her like day. She has these like daydreams of like you know goofy scrub style where it's like what she thinks it would look like. So she imagines him actually putting on legit well, like other makeup. So like I mean, lipstick. he was good in it. Honestly, I'm like, if you're trying to make this look bad, this bones, is the wrong baby. way to do it. He wears it great. And so he puts like some lip liner on and some like lipstick and then some eyeliner, basically. And then she's and he's like kissing the camera and it's supposed to be like gross. But like it, he's an attractive dude. He looks good. He looks <laughs> I don't good. know. He's got he's got the facial <sighs> features to pull it off. But yes, yeah, in the gym bag so... they find out he has a subscription to Martha Start to it living, and this is where Riley says holy implied homosexuality. Right. And that's where we get why not number three, which is Martha, period, Stuart, period, subscription, period. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, clearly, I don't know how to say it, but I'm sure that there are men that subscribe to Martha Stewart Living. What are you talking about? And I, I don't think it's an accident that they, they picked something with the name Martha. But also, honest, so don't worry, because Glitter Cho says the reason why it happens later in the episode, because Glitter Cho's the only smart person on this damn show. Honestly, and also not just that, like, Martha Stewart living, that's such an implication. It's not like, not that it would be any different, but it's not like it's like Cosmo or something. He but... just cooked her dinner last night, too. Like, he... Yeah, like, so when they got home, he's, like, cooking her dinner, and she's like, I want him to fuck me, basically, the whole episode. And I'm like, oh, my God, is it wrong to have dinner first? Like, my God. This this woman, it's like, anything she gets, she wants the opposite of it. Like, more than once, men have cooked her dinner, and she's frustrated by it. I'm like, what are you doing? This is so frustrating. But so she, she views it as basically if he has a Martha Stewart Living magazine subscription, he must be gay, essentially. And she's now like, oh my god, I don't know what to do if he's, well, just, at this point she's not quite sure that he's gay, but they're all like saying like, well, and there are like a lot of long looks to each other like, hmm. Yeah, and, then and even like earlier, we, we mentioned the fact that they, when she's discussing about what they did, and she mentioned that they, they had lunch and then split dessert. Yeah, and they or, had salad. Yeah, the they both look salad. at each other, Riley and Josh, like, hmm. And I'm just like, I'm so, so tired of this. I mean, I know that this is a show that got canceled after just this episode, so I'm glad about it, but this was so par for the course for a lot of stuff in this time. See, and it's exhausting. It's one of those shows exhausting. where they should have just watched the pilot. Like, the network should have watched the pilot beforehand. But I'm like, no, and then put an episode that was out of order first. It wouldn't have made sense, but at the same time, it would have been better. It could have lasted and longer. Honestly, What's so frustrating is that it's not even like, okay, yes, there's it's never good to have homophobia sprinkled throughout an episode, but the entire plot of this episode now becomes yeah. her realizing he's gay. Once they, this, he's gay. Once they get into it, he's gay, like, it doesn't let up on him to be gay. You get, and after there's no this, B plot, get, so get, that's it. That's yeah. the whole episode. You get the quote-unquote seems gay conversation. It's almost accidentally similar to, like, there's a couple episodes of, like, Grownish that have kind of delved into, like, the uh backwards like internalized homophobia of girls that date bisexual guys for example who like there's a lot of internalized like weirdness about like assuming certain things are at play with him based off of his personality traits like subscribing to a magazine or wearing bronzer like talk about the fact that like it doesn't matter if you're gay straight or bi like people do what they want to do whether it's wearing makeup or, or reading martha stewart or uh, doing br- uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like, sure. 
But, like, what does it say about you that you're assuming someone is gay based off of, like, three things? It's weird. It's so weird. And it's, like, it would be different if it was, like, she was clearly reading into, like, a new friendship. And then she was, like, thinking it was going to be, like, But, like, he's clearly into her. He asks her out the first time he sees her. And then cooks her dinner. Like, you have to just talk to him. And again, these are all things that could be solved if she had a, like, a fucking moment conversation. Hey, what's up with you? Are you into me? That's all she has to it's ask. It's also him, like, too, who's it. not telling what's up, but we'll get into that. But she that. doesn't ask him, though. She never asks him. I don't think he ever says anything to her because she never asks. And, I mean, he's not I mean, she's, she's not trying to, she's trying to get it, though, and he knows this, and he's doing everything to avoid it. They're both in the wrong, honestly, but she obviously takes, know, it, takes it wronger. Like, she basically, like, like tries to hook up with So and Before the scene where they fall asleep the night before, she, like, is, like, ripping his shirt open, kissing his chest, like, ready to go. Basically, bronze are all over her lips. And, <laughs> like, ready to jump into bed. And, like, he is, like, kind of like, no, let's just cuddle. And that's fine. I don't, I mean, like I said before, it's okay for him to not want to have sex. Guys can not want to have sex, too. But why can't she just say, why not? Like, Emily's fucking reason, why not? I want to know why you don't want to have sex with me right now. Force the conversation, because it's it's worse to sleep with someone and be, like, resentful of them the entire night than just outwardly ask them and ask them to leave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, she can't even have- communication yeah. does a lot. She's not even getting any sex. Meanwhile, Riley's talking about how the best sex she ever had was a gay guy trying to prove he wasn't. I think that just makes uh. him bisexual, honestly. That's my next, yeah, so she says, oh, that's like an awful scene. So they're walking down the street the next day, and she's like, yeah, and he didn't, he he kept trying to prove himself that he was straight all night long, again and again and again. And I'm like, cool, I guess bise- bisexuality doesn't exist in 2006. <laughs> like, they're laughing at the fact that this, this poor random dude who hooked up with Riley at some point was trying desperately to not be gay. Ha 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 ha. Like it's just comedy, not comedy, kind of baby. It would be funny now, exactly. Like it's just... it's not the kind of show that's like like dark like that. Like it's weird that she makes a comment like that, and it's like a punchline. What is funny though is the next scene where iconic glitter Cho brings in a life size model of Mark Valley. Hey man, I mean, who doesn't want to make a life size model of Mark Valley and put it up in your office? Exactly. But, uh, the weird part, too, is that after that, uh, Mark Valley walks in, because I think the weirdest part to me is they never really deal with this whole, like, that's why I wanted them to delve into it more, but they never do, maybe because it's only six episodes, but, like, they have this, like, on-again, off-again thing that even though he's kind of done with them, like, he's written his book, she's published it, they should have no relationship anymore, they keep running into each other, and he keeps trying to, like, date her, and, like, okay, maybe he's a piece of shit, but, like, he seems like he's really interested in her, and he's mostly nice, most, like, he gives her a bird. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to know more. Also, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not a shitty guy. Maybe he is, but, like, show us. Like, sh- we only find out he's a shitty guy in her flashbacks mm-hmm. and dumping him. Because mm-hmm. he's been cheating. I mean, essentially been cheating if they were... She a says that, like, uh, if he, she'd been at the restaurant with him, he would have been, like, staring at the waitress, the, the porn star yeah, waitress. Yeah, so he's probably not a great guy, but, you know... He, he looks like he's trying, but he's that. also an idiot. I just wish they would explain more about why he's a bad guy, besides also, just being cheated. Also, I just want to point, because Glitter walks out of the office while, while they talk, and in, in her mind, Emily's saying, I, I could take Glitter. No, you couldn't. Glitter oh could kick your ass. Please. Glitter oh could kick God. your ass. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, but so she she's there with Reese now. He's like, walks into the room. Might I say, I'm pretty sure walks in empty-handed. And He's then like, the camera cuts. The camera cuts to the other side of the room. 
And there's a full bird cage that he's, he's like, I got in. a present for you. He got Where her a love bird. From? I have no idea. She's like, there's I supposed to be two. And he's like, I know. And then he tries to try to get it, but she's like, here are my pictures of me and my boyfriend. And here's the most upsetting scene, I think, in the episode. Oh, this is this is why he's a bad guy. I, I take back what I said before. He's a piece of shit in this scene. I know, I start, uh, I start to see the note, it's like, God, he's so hot, and then by the end of it, I'm like, oh no. Oh no, because I forgot about this too. Like, so he, he is a piece of shit, but I just wish that they'd shown more of how he was a piece of shit to her, so you understand her resentment of him, mm-hmm. because all I'm saying is, like, she doesn't find the awful scene that's about to take place upsetting she's more upset about what he reveals mm-hmm. she's not offended what i'm saying is that she's not offended by the shit he says she's offended by the shit he re- quote-unquote reveals which is yeah because honestly that should be the turnoff is that he's a homophobic piece of crap but it's not because uh, she is too uh and so he says to her she says to him like yeah he's really like hot and chill and, like i love him we make out all the time which is of course <laughs> not true um but which, by the way, like, I'm sorry. Why couldn't he just like make out with her people. ever? He's not just sex. That's to make what out I'm with saying. Her. Listen, I don't know. No spoilers, but like you know, people of all faiths can hook up. I think so. Chill out. But so she, she, um, uh, she tells him like, you don't even know. He's uh, skilled at Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and we get one of honestly such a hateful laugh where he just says. <laughs> That's the gayest sport there is. I was like, my God, it, like, it's, like, it's just is so immediately so amused. It's nuts. Yeah. And so they both kind of get mad at the fact that he's gay. And like, you're watching your quote unquote lead, like hero lead or whatever, the person who's like your point of view and her ex who she doesn't even like, both like almost like realize together like, whoa, he's gay. And it's just like, it's so uninspiring. Like everything about it is so... And- like, it's so immediately hard to root for this woman based I, off of just yeah. that. Like, so when they ugh. said, that's, like, the gay sport there is, all I can think is, like, really? This is, like, the base of a lot of MMA? Like, has anyone ever thought that? I, I had to basically Google Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gay, and it's like, yeah, a lot of idiot idiot people think that, but it's not I, it's not what I think when I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think badass, it, honestly. It, it is. It's very ironic, too, because... Like, okay, fine. He's saying it's it's like a, the gayest sport there is. Fucking put the two of them in like a, a, a match. I feel like the dude would fucking murder him. Among many gay men, would probably be able to like fucking crush this dude. So like, it's such a cop out and homophobic thing to say because they're really just saying it because it's funny. Because guess what? If something's the gayest sport there is, sounds like a pretty pretty fucking great sport as far as I'm concerned. He's saying it like that's so embarrassing. You shouldn't brag about that. Like. No, that's dumb. <laughs> like, get, get, I'd rather watch the gayest sport there is than, like, hockey. All I'm saying. Uh, so then they, they're they basically just like, okay. And so she's talking to them, and, and her over her voiceover is basically just like, why didn't he just come out and admit it? I'm like, well, well maybe because you're like, aggressively you, sneering at him. Like, did you mention the, the soundtrack for the scene? Oh, gosh, please. YMCA by the village people, you guys. <sighs> God damn it. And so she's... And also, I I remember the scene, this is the most offensive scene I've ever witnessed. I think that we've ever witnessed for this podcast. Is it not? Just the whole, this is very good behavior, this entire, like, just everything they're saying. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know we've had other homophobic moments, unfortunately, because we watched some shitty television, but um, this is up there. This is, I mean, like, we watched an episode that was entirely devoted to homophobia, which is uh, from popular, but that wasn't even nearly as, I think, homophobic. Bad for the preachiness of, of the episode. 
Basically. But at least it was getting the message right, where mm-hmm. it was like, homophobia sucks. Mm-hmm. This is like, haha, homophobia. It solves problems by explaining my boyfriend doesn't want to kiss me. Like, it's weird. They never actually deal with the fact that, like, even once it's revealed that it's all yes. bullshit, which is not shocking, it's never like, and you're gross for having thought that. Well, they never yeah. discuss it. And the reason why not, number five, is if your gay friend thinks he's gay, he must be gay, which is not, it's never been true. Especially as a person with gay friends, it's like, no, your gay friends always think everyone's gay, which Josh Slater says in an episode, they think everyone's gay. So no, that doesn't tell you anything. Also, the scene is capped off with the most terrible thing, which is when uh, Josh and his boyfriend, Aknod, bring out lighters so they uh, they come out flaming. Oh, that was fucking gross. That, what was again, that? This is the most offensive scene we've ever had to watch. Okay, well then, it, huh, alright, so, my god. So she says, before we get to that scene, though, she says, why doesn't he come out right and tell me and admit it that he's gay? Like, why is he in the closet? I'm like, because people like you are being awful to him about it, potentially. I'm, this is all if you're in, if you're believing he's gay. This entire scene just stresses me out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they're all like, can you believe people are still in the closet? <laughs> what a bunch of, like, gay guys. <laughs> like, it's such a, it's it's itself, it's a, it's the oxymoron to be both homophobic and confused why people are in the closet. Like, you can't do the same, because you're explaining it, you're, in your reason, you're explaining your question, is all I mean. I need to utter, so then, utter the worst line in the world oh no oh i have that yeah yeah i have it written down here so they go to see him play do brazilian jiu-jitsu clearly he's not he's not embarrassed by it so like not that you should be but i'm saying like if this is something that he was like in the closet for or like he was upset about i mean use some fucking common sense if he's not gonna invite you and all your friends to come see him wrestle if he thinks it's like gonna out him and he doesn't want to be outed it's weird like it's not like he's like got a secret hobby where he like I don't know, does something gay. And I, I, <laughs> I, this is 2018. It's hard for me to concept, like, conceptualize something that is quote-unquote gay because gay people do everything. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't single out one thing that's specifically gay because you get plenty of straight guys or bi guys or anything, any version of a guy that could like it. And it's so, it's so fucking old and boring to be like, oh, gay guys like just this or gay guys do this. It was but even so, old and boring then because, again, Will and Grace existed, people. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I don't want to call it one grace, but, like, end-all, be-all of, like, homosexuality no, and what it means, but, but I, come I on. That's a really good point. It's a good point, because I think what we're getting wrapped up in is I sometimes feel like I know it was 2006, but I had people I knew that were openly out and gay and going to proms with their girlfriends at this point. So, like, if there's not an excuse for any time. Yes, because we're looking back in retrospect, you can understand the climate where they felt this was okay to say, but guess what? It doesn't make it good, so we should still point out how it's stupid and homophobic. But so they go see him wrestle, he comes out to the, not comes out to them, comes up to them afterwards, and just says, hey guys, thanks for coming, blah blah blah, and then we get this awful scene where the two, again, not to, to, to realize again, but we talked about this earlier, where I think that a main part of why they think it's okay to be this outwardly homophobic, both in this episode and others, is because they have a quote-unquote main cast member who is gay. And they assume that he's, like, the kryptonite to it being homophobic. Because if you've got a gay character who's telling that person they're gay, obviously all this homophobia can't be that homophobic because you've got a gay guy right there saying yes. That doesn't make it... It's, like, the same thing as, like, like you're gonna have some... There's plenty of racism throughout the episode. There's people who are, are people of color playing those characters. It doesn't mean that they okayed it. It just means that it was written that way. So, like, yes... Maybe these characters are, are gay and thinking, like, you know, he's being very gay and, and literally, like, flipping lighters saying he's flaming. And 
that's not going to make it, like, non-homophobic. It just means it was written by a bunch of straight people, and then these poor characters are basically being forced to act it out. Or, hey, guess what? There are tons of internalized homophobia in the gay community, so they may also just be awful guys who are being Mm -hmm. awful to this poor man who's closeted. That doesn't make it okay either. But anyway, all this to say that the the fucking worst part of it all, which I think is, I think it's Riley that says it, which is embarrassing as shit, where they, uh, after seeing them wrestle again, and they're like, oh yeah, and he goes back off to wrestle like happily, like living his fucking life. Riley literally says, well, the coffin of gayness was pretty much nailed shut. No, 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 no. It, it, that is the worst, but that's, uh, that's Emily's voiceover. Uh, Emily's voiceover says the Yeah, after seeing Stan in action, the coffin of gayness was pretty much nailed shut. Stan can stay in the, in, in the closet, but he can't stay my boyfriend. fucking... Like, what kind of... Who writes a sentence, the coffin of gayness was pretty much nailed shut? Well, we know who wrote it, because it was Emily Kapnick, unfortunately. I know, but, like... How? Who could write that and not think, like, that is outright disgusting? And I only mean it's just, like, when we're talking about all the homophobia, we're not even hyping it up. Like, that sentence exists. That's, like, so outwardly disgusting. Like, eek. And this is, like, the pilot episode for a TV show. It's supposed to be lighthearted and fun. Like, my God. And so, she outs him on the company voicemail, which is not even... Like, it's it's still his private voicemail. Like, I guess he's not a cell phone or something? Questions. It's not like I it's public. Questions. Yeah. Like, first of all, be an adult, dump him in person, say this to his face. But second of all, like, also, he's weird for, like, picking up his voicemail in front of a group of people. I guess I'm, like, 30 years old. I've never listened to a voicemail out loud with anyone ever. Because you never know what's going to be in that voicemail. Like, even if it's from a friend or a family, like, you don't know what they're saying in yeah. a voicemail. It's not like it's a text message where you can, like, you know, look at it first before sharing. <clears throat> like, I maybe I would listen to it before and say, get a load of this. I thought he had listened to it. I was worried for a moment that he had listened to it and was playing it back for them to laugh. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, God, I'm not ready for this. But he just, like, he's in a meeting with a bunch of guys, hits play on the voicemail on speakerphone, and then she's basically just like, hey, Stan, yeah, he's so checking- I know you're gay. Mm-hmm. Like, he's checking his voicemail before they go to lunch or something. Yeah. And so, like... There was many reasons here that this shouldn't have happened, but reason it does. why not? Ha ha ha! But and... she realizes the error of her ways after Glitter Cho comes to tell her what's up. Glitter Cho, who is enlightened, basically, <laughs> because she doesn't care about something that. Would... Also, if if Emily knew the truth, she would still find like a reason not to like Stan because she would use a judgmental asshole. Yeah, so she comes over and sees Emily, and says like, "Hey, I just heard." Uh, a secret about your boyfriend from his sister or something like that or like mm-hmm. friend and um she's like yeah i know he's first of all like yeah emily fuck is... this woman emily fuck is... this woman immediately outs him again again not even just on the private voice she note. just keeps doing so, it so oh, i forgot about that scene i didn't it, it was so much happening that i couldn't even like realize that she outs him again but yeah, so she glitter, glitter show, it like, yeah glitter show a third party unrelated to their relationship comes over and says i found out a secret about your boyfriend and without even fucking a beat, she goes, yeah, he's gay. And it's like, whoa! I was like, you just added him again like, in, the, what? in five minutes. And Glitter's like, what? No, he's a virgin. He's a Mormon. And he's waiting for marriage. You get it, guys? Mm-hmm. Ha, 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 But Emily's like, no, he's gay. Like, she's demanding that he is gay. And Glitter- and she's like, Martha Stewart living. And what's the excuse for that? And Glitter's like, he's in- he works in publishing. Like, Glitter is so enlightened. Honestly, I love like, Glitter- her. 
Glitter doesn't even. I mean, yes, she says like, yeah, he's in publishing, but she mostly looks at her like, what are you stupid? Like she's she's not skipping a beat every time Emily keeps saying he's gay, which Emily keeps saying to her, he's gay. She's like, no, he's not though. (laughs) Calm down. Every second that passes in this episode that Glitter is involved in, you become more and more understanding of like she was like, I can't be this person's assistant, so I'm just gonna take their idea and just move away because I cannot stay their assistant. Like if I was that person's assistant and she was behaving the way she does, I'd want to quit. Truly, if I was dealing with someone who's a homophobic mm-hmm, boss, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I don't know that I can deal with this every day I, without confronting them about it, at least. Like, it's disgusting, and I would at least tell HR. Mm-hmm. And, and we, like, she's, like, walking around yeah. harassing this man, publicly outing him in the workplace. She's He's a lawsuit there, basically. Mm-hmm. And Emily's saying, I just dumped him because he's gay, and Glitter's like, well, I guess I'm gonna swoop in. And you should, Glitter! You should go swoop for, in. Go for it. God damn it, man. And so then, it's mortifying, because, like, he listens to it in front of the guys, and, and also, like, again, who listens to it publicly? But, like, to me, the scene next where Emily does eventually confront him, like, there's a scene, too, after she leaves the voicemail and finds out that he's not gay from Glitter. Mm-hmm. She goes looking for him and then can't find him right away, and then she's, like, mortified. I'm like, well, you know, you should have just kept trying to find him. But eventually she does find him later on and pushes him into, like, a supply closet, and she's like, look, I'm sorry. And he's, like, creeped out and annoyed by her and, like, doesn't don't touch me. And I'm, I want to believe, I don't think it's true, but, I mean, to me, the implication could also be that, like, you're a fucking bigot, and I don't want to be involved with you Yeah, anymore. he doesn't like, seem- I don't think it is. I, he doesn't seem like- He and Glitter are the only people I don't think are homophobic in this episode. He's, he's like, why didn't you just ask me? Yeah, and also, like, I mean, he's- I, The frustrating thing is he seems to be kind of wounded and, like, embarrassed, but all you have to do is turn around and say, hey, guys, I'm not gay, she's just out of her mind. I don't know if he seems that embarrassed, because, like, even- It was slightly awkward when when here, but it's- It wasn't made a big deal, I don't think. It's like, okay. Honestly, if she did out him, that's awful, but, like, again, it's- It's fucking- It's just- To me, it's like, what's the problem? There's something- I know that the thing about outing is it's not- It's not fair for you to out someone, but, like- And she was ready to out him to everyone, apparently. Exactly. But, like, realistically, even if he was out, maybe just not publicly talking about it, is all I mean, in the workplace, like- there's nothing to be embarrassed by. So hopefully, I mean, his embarrassment seems to be more over the fact that, like, he was dating her and he's, like, now embarrassed Yeah, she's that. a crazy person. Which is fair. Which is a fair point. And then, like, she goes out for, for like, dinner afterwards. So, like, that's it. That's, like, fucking the episode, guys. Like, yeah, the apparently. The rest of the episode is them going to dinner afterwards. Well, and, apparently like, she told Dan that Josh was the one who told her that he was gay. Like, she throws her friend on the bus to try to get him... Back. And also, like, again, it's such a cop-out, because just because a gay guy thinks that he says someone else is gay does not mean anything. And she's, like, trying to throw it, like, see, it's clear proof. And he's like, dude, I'm not gay. I don't know what to tell you. He's wrong. What's the problem? And she's still kind of like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I just thought it was true. And then they go out to dinner, her, Riley, and Josh later, and, like, she's already kind of over it. Like, she's kind of hanging her head like, I feel stupid, but then, like, she grabs the newspaper and she's like, oh, the book I published for my crappy ex is... It's, like, burning up the chart. They say it's great. Dastardly delicious. Terrific. And then, like, like, it's basically, it's it's framed, like, Emily wins in the end. It's like, no! She's a piece (laughs) of shit! If this show was about, like, basically, like, teaching her how not to be, like, a gross creep, sure, I'd love it. But it's not. It's treating her, like, womp womp. Like, it was all a big misunderstanding, and she missed out on this hot guy, because she made the mistake of thinking he was gay. (sighs) And so, the final scene... I, I wrote down more or less the entire dialogue, and I'll read it off, because it truly is a highlight of how awful this show is. Oh, dear. <laughs> because it's some of the worst writing <laughs> I've ever read. So, it, again, we mentioned it's all VO all the time. 
And this is basically, like, her wrap-up sentiment about, like, the kind of person she is and, like, hopefully she'll figure it out. But this is what she says to herself. And then I should say that this, this scene takes place as she walks down the stairs in the restaurant to the unisex bathroom and meets a guy while waiting in line for the bathroom. Who's gonna fuck that guy That's in the fucking bathroom? romantic. <laughs> so romantic. And so she says, So my initial instincts about men may not be as sharp as my initial instincts about books, but I guess that's what makes my life interesting. And frankly, I'm still optimistic that the reasons why not will lead me to what I'm looking for. As much as I want to find my other half, I need to consider the possibility that maybe I'm already whole. But that's the thing about possibilities. They're infinite. (laughs) And then she, like, winks at the guy in front of the bathroom, and that's the end of the goddamn episode. Yikes! Like, that's the kind of shit you'd see in, like, an SNL parody of a TV show. Like, it is bad. More like a Mad yeah, TV parody. I want to believe that there was an executive who watched it, saw that wrap-up, and was like, pulls out their phone, and they're like, cancelled. <laughs> just like, please. They put Honestly, the button and they put this as cancelled. Uh, we'll just transition to the rest of the other episodes. Well, We're not we... going to talk about it that much, but... We can mention real quick things. the fact that, uh... And as seen from opening credits, uh, James Patrick Stewart from um, Andy controls uh, Andy Richter controls the universe uh, Supernatural. He's a series regular. He's not in this episode. He's only in two episodes. And he's also like Bill is the boss. He's, more than one. Well, he's the boss on IMDb, but I swear I saw like the character's actual name which is amazing on the Wikipedia for the page. Uh, yes, Midas O'Shea. I know they said Midas at some point. Yeah, Midas- and also it's unclear. It's unclear. It's to me. It reeks that when they talk about it later on in the final episode, mm-hmm. it's it reeks of how absolutely like I imagine there's a lot of fucking footage left on the cutting room floor because there's a scene where they interact and she says, "Well, you were only brought in to consult with the communications department." Mm-hmm. I was like, "But he's her boss." I was like, "Whoa!" I'm like, to me, there's like an entire plot yes. that was just ripped right out of the and show also, where he, he was introduced or whatever. Like the show was really. It was putting for him to be her like the love interest, right? Like. Two episodes. I guess so. I think you're right, but yeah. especially he's at, a boss. The end of his first episode. That's where they're like they're eating breakfast together. Basically, she walks in and yeah, she runs into him, and they eat breakfast together at the end. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, so the other episodes that, that see. Um, we we can kind of just go with the line. <laughs> the twin, not a ton. Yeah. The twin episode. We learned Emily has same sex naked issues. That's well, that's a thing. Although I didn't, I understood the like the argument, but. He, of course, well, I hated. Okay, so she so takes it to the extreme episode... where she should be on a put a list. Yeah, and also like, so this whole episode is about um, Emily dating a guy who's a British architect. Um, also has a men in black chair in his house, which I thought was pretty chill. Uh, but he has a twin that he's like over close with, like Friends episode creepy taking baths together potentially. Hmm. Um, but they're like obsessed with each other because they're twins, and uh, he is like basically like, hey what's the big deal? I have a sister I'm close with. You have to just get used to it. But, like, it kind of... It becomes, like, Emily being uncomfortable. I mean, some of the reasons are pretty okay. Like, the sister is a little weird, and they're, they're like, really immature. At one point at dinner, they're like, Jinx, buy me a Coke or whatever, and basically. And that's what like, reason number one should be you dumped. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, <sighs> that's what's exhausting about the show, is that they keep saying all these other reasons. Where, like, as much as I hate the whole schlocky, like, Seinfeld of it all, where it's, like, they're clearly, like, looking for reasons to dump someone, essentially. Like, at the end of the day, if someone is doing shit like that, it wouldn't need multiple reasons. All I need is some some man, adult man, to openly do, like, a jinx with his sister at a nice dinner, 
and like so, so I should describe the scene a little better. <laughs> They're at the dinner. Uh, the waiter asks for what they're ordering. They both order the same drink, I think. Mm-hmm. And they both they both jinx, uh, punch buggy, no punch backs, basically. And then they both they both are silent. And like, okay, fine, it's stupid, and you have a bad sense of humor. You said jinx, ha mm-hmm. ha ha. But then the, the waiter looks at them and then looks back at Emily, and they continue to be silent. Like, Ugh, who's gonna say something? And Emily's like, uh, I don't know what to do here. I'm like, that is it. To me, I was like, I would have been like, check, Emily, don't leave it. Voiceover is garbage because she's just like, because she's a, a single child. She's like, is this what I've missed? Is you know something fun like that's you shouldn't be thinking this is fun. You should be thinking this is terrible. I need to get out of here. Oh my god! I also and love so, that with this this garbage story later. She's she just keeps telling people the story of what's happening in this episode, and glitter at one point just like the Emily induced story coma that we've been through. It's too real. Oh god! And so uh, later on, after things progress, they're in bed together at some point, and the sister comes in and sees them naked, and she freaks out. To me, the the onus is placed well, on the nudity. Well, no, it's not the sister on, like, who freaks out. It, it's yeah, it's, it's Emily, and like the onus should not have been placed on the fact that there was nudity. It should have been placed on the intimacy overstep. Like, mm-hmm. okay, sure, she was naked. Why is it suddenly about Emily being uncomfortable being naked? It was way more about the fact that, like, they were in bed together and the sister just walked in without talking or saying anything. The freak. Like, the nudity was, like, incidental. Like, sure, she was naked, but, like, it was more inappropriate that they had just, like, slept together and the sister's, like, prouncing right in. Like, ew. Yeah, it's... I'd be creeped ugh. out on many levels. And, um, honestly, like, who the fuck would want to go into a room that their sibling was just... It's just gross. Like, ugh. And then, so, after she... After they get back from, mm-hmm. like... I don't know. The sister and the brother come over together, I guess, to apologize. And then she Oh, yeah, she says they can have dinner. Yeah, she drops trail, like, haha, we're gonna, like, I'm gonna show you I'm comfortable with my body. She should have just given the door her towel, honestly. Like, there was no reason to drop. Yeah, we missed a part, too, where, like, earlier, there's a horrible montage that's supposed to explain her uncomfortableness with it because. The weirdest dressing room in the world? The dressing room with a bunch of ladies that are older and mostly overweight, and, like, there's all these awful, like, cruel shots like basically like saying like how disgusting it is to be overweight and older like, yeah there's gross there's scene. a score of like like tuba score of like fat people but also like they're in a dressing room with no individual rooms what it looks like it's bullshit and this doesn't exist <clears throat> way. Ugh. but so it's the opposite of what um... the episode of what chris evans saw in opposite sex apparently yeah and so they they're there. She's she sees that she's like traumatized by it, and now she's supposed to have like a same sex naked phobia. And then later on, she just gets naked in front of the the brother to try and like prove a point. But the brother shows up with a bunch of Girl Scouts, and like she's now a sex offender basically. And then uh, the moral of the story is basically as they do yoga together later, she re reinvigorates the bro- the the boyfriend's hernia. And has to, he has to go to the emergency room, and somehow his sister ends up there. I don't know how the sister even shows up, but she I, just shows up. And, like, they're going to go off to, to go to the emergency room in the ambulance together. Mm-hmm. It's such a fucking cop-out, because there's no way the sister would have gotten there before the ambulance. So I don't even know why this even happens. But the sister and, her, and Emily are like, it's between the two of them to go to the hospital. And he's like, can't make up his mind. I'm like, they would have let both of you ride. This is such a long, ongoing, like, bullshit excuse. Mm-hmm. Or, if you're a good human being, say, you go, I'll follow in my car. Anyone who's dealt with someone who actually goes to the ER in, in an ambulance knows, Well, we know like, Emily's not a good human being. Time spent thinking about who should be in the car with them is time wasted where he could be dealing with his pain. It's so, it's so, ugh. She is so fucking odious. Like, the way that he talks, like, she's saying, like, 
Oh, well, the reason number five or whatever bullshit, she's like, you're never going to be his emergency You've known him contact. for a week. It's like, well, guess what? If you're prioritizing what emergency contact rank should be for you, maybe you shouldn't be dating a person. Because honestly, if you love them that much or you wanted to be with them that much, it shouldn't matter that his sister's is his emergency contact, at least until you're, like, dating or married. They're barely right? seeing each other at this point. He's basically, like, her hookup. Ugh. <sighs> But so then you have like a full admit. It's like turning from indifferent to Emily to just straight hating her. She's a sister. (laughs) Before we were indifferent, now just like she's garbage. I I like I already hated her from the first episode, but then she just gets progressively more and more annoying as shit. Like her reasons are so Mm -hmm. stupid, and that's why like you you shouldn't make an entire show premise the reasons why you're stopping a date with someone because they better be fucking good, or else the Mm -hmm. entire episode's been basically based around her nitpickiness, and she's awful. Yeah. Ugh. Or she has to be awesome. Like, at least make her awesome. Please. Like, give me someone... Like, it's funny, because it almost reminds me of something like a, like a Lorelai Gilmore, where you get someone who's, like, a really chill person in many respects, but has some flaws mm-hmm. and some trauma and some weirdness where she's, like, got, uh, you know, security issues, but she dates people of all types of ilk. Like, she d- dates the weird people. But you Dig understand why she breaks up with them. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, any random person she dates, you could you could explain why she should be with them. Or John why she, she dumped them. Yeah. Like, you like, understand her point mm-hmm. of view. I mean, it's a frustrating thing to watch her, her break up with certain people because you're like, but you're still good together. But you understand why she's breaking up with them. Like, there are plenty of people I've watched who are like, okay, you're a compelling person because... I'm interested in this relationship, but I also understand why it's unsustainable. Like, that's a truly interesting premise. This is just like, oh, well, he's choosing his sister over me when he's on his way to the hospital in an ambulance. Hmm. I guess we should break up. Like, how uninspiring a main character is that's her main episode ending like, arc? It's so stupid. Emily, you suck. Ep- <laughs> yeah. In the third episode, it's even worse to me. Like, the other one was just stupid. I mean, at least it like... opens with uh, the Larry Cleo cover of I Want You to Want Me. At least yeah. that happens. They have great music on the show. If everything else sucks, they always are consistently pretty decent with the music. But yeah. um, this is uh, guest starring both uh, Rachel Harris from uh, Everything. I mean, I don't know what else. Currently she's Lucifer. She's killing it yeah, on Lucifer among, right now. among others. And then Dr. Dan, who's played by Ted Crisp, a.k.a. J. Harrington. You mean Ted uh, Chip? <laughs> and he's great. He's great. Like, honestly, the character is a little dull because he's a doctor, but that's kind of like, hey, no offense to the doctors listening out there. They can be kind of dull unless you tell them to stop talking about shop talk or whatever. And he's a gynecologist, so it's a little bit mm-hmm. more specific to just, like, OBGYN yeah. stuff. This episode and... also both introduces James Patrick Stewart's character, like we were discussing, as and, boss, yeah. and the little inkling of there possibly being a B story. <laughs> oh, what a terrible B story, where the whole joke is that Riley is thought to be a lesbian by their former school friend, Rachel Harris. And the whole punchline is her trying to prove herself not to be a lesbian. And in order to do so, she dresses up and gets all fancy to go out and to have a, like, a dinner date with Rachel Harris. <laughs> to so, prove like, she's not a lesbian. Like, to me, like, that, okay, fine. I'd rather them just there. be a lesbian couple, those two, honestly. Honestly, here's the thing. Here's the way to subvert it. She goes out out there and she like basically realizes she wants to hook up with her and she's bi. That's the funny thing of the modern century. But version. what bisexuals? What? It, that's so stupid. I know. Whoa. I'm sorry, guys. Pump the brakes. Bisexuality didn't exist in 2006. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah. So she she just the whole joke is the running joke of the background is like her trying to prove herself to not be. Realistically, it's also just that like Rachel Harris was a bitch in high school. That was the whole joke. Is that Riley hated her. 
And now she's, I mean, she's still a bitch, but yes. and boring. She's but outwardly she's like, saying, uh, oh, Emily, I thought, this is the one that I know you're not going to hook up with a bartender. It's like, you don't actually know. She's, she's ready to ditch Jay Harrington by that point. I know. I, I was expecting it to happen until he started, like, being jokey with her in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then you find out that she's basically just, like, married and with kids and stuff, and she's just bragging that her life is great, which, again, honestly is a huge red, red flag. Usually means her life is terrible. There's really no comeuppance for that character or anything. No. I kind of respect it, because it's realistic. There are people like that that just float through the world. Some people are happy, yeah. how awful they are. <laughs> but so she, the whole episode, she's dating this doctor, and there's, like, a scene. This is why she's such she's an dating her doctor, character. too, which, no. Yeah, very unethical. I don't know that that's even... Legal, is it? I guess it is. I guess it's I fine, know. but like he should have said no. That's unethical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he does immediately say I can't be your doctor anymore, so that's fair. But after they break like, up, I feel like he, they, she just never had to go back until afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you know, now we've broken up, you can't ever come back to me. I hope yeah. he would have already done that, even if she had tried to come back during their dating. But either way, she's an idiot for like she. He's about like the best doctor in the. Uh, that that part was okay. Like that to me, like there's an inkling of a humor there where all the women were getting dressed up to go see mm. him. It's p- kind of gross, but like okay, it's a stupid joke. Like hi, he's a gynecologist. Everyone's like putting on their best to go see him. All right, there's kind of a humorous mm. thing there, but yeah, I don't know. And then again, so him, yeah, like, again, glitter like, makes her feel like shit. Like asking her about her sex life with the doctor and how great it is. And this time she just makes stuff up at least. Honestly, like. In that moment, though, where she's like, it turns out that's what you need to get Glitter interested, but, like, Glitter was just like, hey, look, you're in a functional relationship acting like an adult oh, yeah, with like human beings together. They were all talking about how she is, like, not a real adult because she always dates these idiots. Everyone notices. Fair. It's true. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? And then, so, once she starts dating an adult who's, like, an actual decent human being, Glitter turns around and is like, hey, good for you. It must be great sex. He's a gynecologist. That's, I mean, it's a bit of a jokey joke, but, like, that's fun. Haha, <laughs> and she treats her with respect, and I don't think it's like Glitter trying to be like, I've turned a corner, I'm gonna be nice. It's her saying, hey, if you're acting like an adult to me, mm-hmm. I'll act like an adult to you. There's finally a reason to respect you. Yeah. Yeah, and also she's always immature and stupid, mm-hmm. and so in this this episode she's trying to prove herself to be an adult, so she's acting a lot more adult to Glitter, and she gets like a lot more respect back because she's not treating Glitter like an asshole because she's the asshole too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Glitter is just like a mirror where she's just reflecting... Emily's own insecurities and rudeness back on her, but which is way better taste and, and delivery. Yeah. <laughs> but so in this episode, she also finds like there's a scene or two where, uh, t- uh, you call him Ted, Dr. Dan, um, tells a story about delivering a baby in an emergency, like, uh, uh, breached, uh, pregnancy on like the, the banks of the sun, which is just like in France, I think it's in France yeah. somewhere. So, like, okay, there's a point where he's retelling the story for the second time, and it's supposed to be like, I've heard this already. I'm like, bitch, this is a very interesting story. If this were something that happened to me, you would tell the story more than once. <laughs> Clearly, like, she was there when he said, like, this happened to him. Mm-hmm. She could have just said, like, oh, I've heard this before. I don't, you don't have to tell that yeah, again. Yeah, he's like, telling like, other people, too, right? Yeah. It's their first time hearing it. It's not like he's repeating this to every person he meets. It's, like, clearly something that people are asking him about. He brings up, like... I bet you the conversation is what's the most intense thing that's ever happened in in your time as an OBGYN, and he's just used to giving that story. And she's like, there's this whole scene where she's like, I can't keep making this face again. You have to at least do, like, the rule of three and have it be the third time he does it. This is only the second time, and it's the first time all of her coworkers are hearing it. And honestly, as someone who's supposed to be this, like, career and, and, and like, so, someone interested woman, 
you should know that the way he's captivating your work friends and your boss and everyone is not a bad thing. Like, that's a good thing to have a guy you bring into work basically make you look like a fucking... And she even does acknowledge it the next, like, sentence out of her mouth afterwards, even though she's, like, like basically, like, stabbing her leg to stay awake during the story. I'm not even exaggerating. She basically is like, I can't keep a straight face. This is so boring. Um, which is not a, again, not a boring story at all. I delivered a baby in an emergency labor. But, uh, she, like, walks out of the, the room and she's like, uh, the, the boss says, like, hey, you, good choice. That dude's fucking legit. And she's like, wow, my stock has gone up because I'm dating a better guy who's, like, an adult. It's well, like, yeah, you date yeah. the biggest scrubs. That's, that's the fucking point. And, like, she doesn't acknowledge that, like... It's not just that, like, she's not, I'm not trying to say, like, you have to be a social climber in order to, like, get anywhere, but, like, it doesn't hurt. Is all I'm saying. If he's also a nice guy, like, why not deal with a little boringness yeah. in the first couple of days of dating but him and then she, finally realize, like, okay. She apparently brings all these dirtbags to her work anyway that she's always dating. Might as, of course you're surprised and, like, pleased that she finally brought someone who's good. And impressed. Yeah. You should want to be, to me, like, I don't know, I'm just a very, I guess to me I'm just a classic, like, asshole where I'm, like, Hey, if a dude impressed people at work that much, I'd keep him around more than three days. You know? <laughs> Especially if he's a doctor. What are you, stupid? This person is such an idiot. She's like, she's like, oh, he's so boring, he's so boring. And then, like, she goes out on a date with um him and, and uh, Riley and Rachel Harris. Like, the thing that's so frustrating is that, like, even after that scene where they, like, go out, go out and, like, um have, like, the day, day at work where he's telling a story, he takes her out to, like, a fancy French restaurant and, of course, she's telling Riley later, like, yeah, but it was boring or something, whatever. Like, stop dating him. Why are you still inviting him out to drinks later? Like, you're so frustrated with this person and you just continue to date them? You can't... I mean, she does eventually jump, dump the guy, so at least there's that. But, like, she keeps dumping people, like, way too late. She has to wait till five. Way too soon. Ugh. But then after they get drinks and he, like, impresses her again by, like, calling Rachel Harris an idiot behind her back, which is fair. <laughs> what you, uh, you're a shady bitch. She likes you. Yeah. And also, like, to me, it's, like, it's frustrating because, like, he kind of, like, I don't know how to say it. Like, kind of, like, um, breaks like, breaks from what she expects. Like, he kind of acts a little more, like, ooh. Like, because he's, like, whispering, like, all I want to do is take you home and fucking, like, fuck you, basically. <laughs> and he's, like, whispering in her ear and all that stuff. And it's, like okay, cool, like, he's not what you thought, that's great, you go home, you have sex, it'll be great. They start <laughs> having sex, and there's, like, all these weird, like, uh, like, medical terminology things. I mean, it's a little weird, but, like, is, maybe the sex is bad? I would have, I was expecting the sex to be bad. That would have been an easy way to solve that problem. It's like, he's bad in bed. How ironic, ha ha ha, it's an OBGYN who sucks at bed. But, like, none of that really happens. He just says a couple of things that are a little clinical, and she's, like, turned off by it, doesn't say anything to him, because, again, this is all internal monologue, and then, like, cut to the next morning where she's dumped him. It's, like, very strange. Yeah, I was worried. I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of happy that it was a, just a weird sex talk thing, because I was worried he was going to be, like, he was cheating on his wife. You know when they get to the bar and he's like, I have to go wash the stamp off? Because I don't want people to think um, uh, like <laughs> that was a, a, weird a twisted sister uh, concert, and obviously in her mind she's like, "Well, he's boring. He wouldn't know twisted sister's not a thing." So it really was just like a, a, a he's boring joke. I thought, does he not want his wife to know that he's at like this nightclub? You gotta do a way better job about making someone boring. The problem is they cast Jay Harrington, who even when he's trying to be dull, is very like interesting looking <clears throat> and acting. Like he's giving like good face the whole time. So you're like. Okay, he's kind of boring. Like you gotta get like a, 
Like, it reminds me of Parks and Rec, how they cast um, uh, Anne's work boss colleague person, Dr. Harris, I think is what his name is, mm-hmm. where he's just, like, that really dull, fucking boring doctor who's just monotone, ser- says nothing, comes, is uninterested in what he's doing. Like, if you're gonna cast a boring doctor, you need to cast someone like that, who's just dull as shit, and funny about it. But, like, Jay Harrington... But they Harrington, have to also be someone that Emily would want to sing, of course, that's very important. True. But, like, you could, you could do that with someone who's a little more monotone. Like, this guy is not that boring. Like, he's just, he's a little dull, but, I mean, again, like... I'm sure he has other great stories story, if she want, wants more stories. Exactly! That's all I mean, is that he's, that's not his only story. Just because she saw him tell it twice does not mean it's the only one he has. So, like, ask him for another story. You'll fall back in love. She just gives... She's so frustrated with all these guys she dates and then gives no effort to try and communicate with them to change the way that they're acting. So then gets frustrated when they don't they don't read her mind and, and become the human being that she needs them to be. It's so it's so boring to watch someone like continuously like break up with people that aren't meeting her perfect mold of a human being despite the fact that she's not willing to try and shape them or talk to them about it at all. Not that you need to shape people, but like at least say like here are things that are frustrating. I don't know. And then there's a better way to do it. Like, give me someone like Penny Hearts, who's, like, <laughs> constantly nitpicking and, like, weird and, like, flaking out on people. But, like, way more valid reasons half the time. Like, way more understandable fights that she gets into because she's flighty and weird. Like, Emily's not, like, you're never supposed to think Emily's the one that's driving these men away. It's that she's finally making the realization they're not worth it because she's finally come to <laughs> understanding that they're boring. Like, no. She was stupid from the beginning, and she should have either read that on the wall, read the writing on the wall that she's dating a doctor, or like the first time they hang out, he doesn't stay over because he has an early surgery in the mm-hmm. morning, and she's like, oh, and she's bummed about I guess that. It's being an adult, like it's like, dude, anyone who has an early shift in the morning is not gonna want to sleep over necessarily, and that's kind of her own fault. Like if she was like way more, she could have like brought him home early if she really wanted to hook up with them. Like I, I don't, I don't. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Anyway, so that's that episode. Again, the whole <laughs> joke about Riley being a lesbian was really boring. And, and the whole, I guess the crux of this was to be her, like, at the bar, all dressed up and made up, like, grabbing Rachel Harris's hand. And she's like, I just want you to know I'm not a lesbian. And again, like, the joke there would be, like, her leaning in to kiss her and then Rachel Harris being, like, into it or something. Or the other way around. Like, <laughs> let Rachel Harris lean in and try and kiss her. That would at least be interesting. But no, <laughs> the joke is just, like... Ha ha ha! She thought she was a lesbian until the end, and then like, "Don't you're a lesbian." Oh god! And then, oh my god! The next episode is one where she tries to make a new friend. This is the best episode. Yeah, but it's it's the best for other for Riley reasons. Essentially, Mm -hmm. the rest of the episode is still dumb as shit, in my opinion. But um, I mean, Kristen Bauer gets a tour de force. She's great. Uh, Pam from True Blood, Mm -hmm. among other things. Uh, So she she is like well. It's also has, point, like, Riley... what might be the most racist scene. I, I'm still not yeah. sure what to think of it. So we're about to get to that. So so she gets in a fight. Not really fight. Like, she's just kind of, like, again, she treats Riley like she treats the guys in her life. Where she's just like, you know, I'm bored with you. I'm going to find someone new. It's like she's so, ugh, this character is so frustrating. It's just she's never happy with anything. And there's never an excuse about why. We also, you see her yeah. being upset. So we learn here that also... Riley doesn't have a job because she, like, basically got a fortune from her grandma. So she, that's why she's able to just be a woman about town the way she is. Honestly, it explains a lot. It does. Riley has just been hanging out the rest of the she episode. She just shows up at people's anything. work all the time. 
Yeah. But also, like, maybe it's an excuse about why you shouldn't have been such a dick to your grandma about having uh, smoked all her life. They're, <laughs> like, giving her grandma hugs, getting the fucking inheritance, lady. You fucked up. Uh, but so, Riley, like, inherits ostensibly enough an estate to, like, live off of permanently. Um, which is impressive, but you don't really know how much. It's a lot, I guess. He's not gonna um, work so for the she, white man, that's for sure. Yeah, so she, um, uh, I love that. I love that, like, random comment, and no one comments on it at all. I was like, come on! I'm like, that's great that she's just, like, randomly so anti-establishment, anti-racist, but, like... Like, why didn't they make that clear from, like, the beginning? Because it was just almost kind of, like, she was a psychist, like, oh no, she had, she had stuff going on. No, and she says it in such a direct way. I'm like, whoa! Like, like, that's an she's clearly, it's something she's clearly said many times before, and now we're just yeah. Running. She's just like, yeah, I make, I have enough to now have to work for the white man, and it's like, whoa! But imagine like a random character in like how lose a guy in ten days saying that. Like it's a very <laughs> Catherine Hans said that. Catherine Hans, <laughs> please. Yeah. Honestly, if anyone, if anyone could deliver it, it'd probably be Catherine Hans. <laughs> But so she she says that, like, kind of, like, out of the blue, and then you find out, like, they've kind of been rubbing each other the wrong way lately, because uh, Riley's just showing up at her house and lounging around and not, like, doing anything, and she's she wants someone that she can commiserate more with work stuff, basically. Because the way that she frames it is basically that, like, she gets frustrated about work stuff, and then Riley's response is usually, like, quit your job, it's stupid. <laughs> and she's like, well, no, I just want to talk about it, I don't want to, I need to, I need money. I'm sure Riley would, like, this little buy her things. Riley would support her. I don't know. But so she, she, um, decides to go to, the, it's, again, it's from, there's a cop-out to 2006, where there's, like, a millionaire matchmaker-style thing going on with women, so basically it's called girl dating, which is the most, again, well, no, yeah, so, yeah, the whole concept is girl dating, and then it leads us that to what is the most offensive like... thing in the episode, but also, it seems very, like, something Emily Kapnick would do in something else, but in a world that made more sense. Like, I can, also, like, I can see it happening in Suburgatory. Girl... Yeah, and the whole concept of girl dating, though, is so, it's not necessarily homophobic outright, but, like, mm-hmm. the concept of girls dating girls, but, quote, like they're not dating dating it's just for friends is like so the same like, episode oh the God. same episode has um her going to forum and like read about girl crushes so i think that's also that was like the zeitgeist at the time like the concept of a girl crush and it's it's not gay but yeah so i mean like how we're all adults here man if you have a girl crush you just like women it's chill <laughs> <laughs> Sexuality is a spectrum like let's just say you have you want more friends you don't need to qualify it as a girl crush you're either a, a woman, Emily, or B, you want more friends. Emily does not have a girl crush on her. When, when exactly! Happening. That's what's so frustrating, is it's such a cop-out, where it's like, I've got a girl crush, I'm like, no, it just sounds like you, one, really want to hang out with someone, or B, find them attractive and don't have the verbiage to actually say that, so just yeah. look up to it. But yeah, that's or, weird. like, that's just go to, a, like, a, go to, like, an adult, like, I guess that they didn't exist yet, but it's kind of like those, like, meetups, where it's, like, yeah. go to, like, a group hang and then meet some people there, but they didn't do that. Yeah, the 2003-2004 uh, season of TV was all about the, the group hang, that's, that's what everyone learned about, as uh, yeah, exactly. the OC and Life As We Know It uh, taught us. The group hang. But so they, they, um, she goes to this, again... I mean, I'm, I have a oh, no, screen all cap. I really say is I have a screen cap of it. It's insane. Um, she goes to it's so basically I, I mentioned the, the millionaire it? matchmaker. It's yeah, we should spell it. She goes to like a millionaire matchmaker style place called Girlfriends. G R R L 
F-R-E-N-Z. And it's in, oh, Asian lettering? She goes and, like, Again, the, make a screen the cap, mascot, so. yeah, the mascot's literally, like, if they're not wearing a race petty hat, I'd be shocked, but it's close to it. And the woman who's running it is not wearing, like, like stereotypical Asian wear, but, like, I feel like the scene is lit and everyone's all, like, It's all red lighting. It's, like, very weird. And it's basically, like, her going to Chinatown to get a date. It's very strange. And they have these two little, like, like teenage girls or, or college girls is, like, in the background just, like, watching her. And, and it's just, like, I just feel like they're, like, a minute away from, like, like, you know, like, cackling into their hands. Like, it's such a... I know that nothing act. It's weird. It's like, okay, so all I mean is to say, like nothing ever outwardly is. It seems I mean, like it's going to turn into the spa scene from Rush Hour Two. Yes, exactly. It's literally like I only mean to say that, like, okay, the screen cap I'm going to take is where it really does actually take the full left turn into racist. But up until that point, obviously the lettering and the name of the place is not great. But like, it's never overtly racist. It's just like all these hints of just like quiet racism, where it's like. <laughs> moments where you're like kind of getting this vibe like it's very stereotypical but they're never out really doing it it's just like a modern like place to date but then like you see like the the, the cuts of this woman's computer and it's like whoa it's like basically a hate crime the computer it's <laughs> and like it's okay maybe you can try and of course some people would try and claim like well the actor is playing it is asian it's not like it's a woman who's like dressed up in all asian gear and is white but again, all of this is written by, I'm assuming, white people. So, like, it is racist. Just because yeah. you get some actors to act that way is not mean that it's not racist. It's bizarre. And it's just, like, why even... Like, the reason why... The reason we're dancing around actually kind of saying what's happening in the scene because it all sounds offensive to say. No, exactly. I'm not going to even try and, like, pronounce stuff the way they're saying it. And even, even the words that you just read out, like, the girlfriends... The way that they're saying it is like an accented girlfriend. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna do it. With a Chinese You're accent. not gonna trap me. She says, Welcome to girlfriends, and it's like okay. And so she says it like very like again. It's so gross. Like I almost feel like she's bowing to her when she walks in. We have a panic attack thinking about. And this. also like it's so weird because like why even make that decision? Like clearly it's just there for the joke. Like the whole point of it is just like ha 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 ha. She's going, and then that's it. You never even see it again. So like why? You, it's all there for the punchline. So she goes there and then gets, like, matched up with someone. She's like, I've got you the perfect person. And she's, she works in the industry. She's a literary agent. And that's Pam from True Blood. I wish she's more of the social climber that Emily tries to pretend like she is, but is not. And, and now Emily hates social climbers, apparently. Because yeah, she's an actual I, social climber. Yeah, and also, like, puts puts a glitter in perspective, at least. I think you understand, like, mm-hmm. you hate glitter so much. She's, like, a much nicer version of this. Like, so you need to, like, fucking pump your brakes. Because mm-hmm. if someone was truly being rude to you and, like, using you, you'd really know it. And, and glitter is just kind of trying to make sure that she's safe in her own. I'm, I'm over here defending glitter. I don't know. But I just, I like, glitter has like, to be the assistant to Emily and Emily's trash, so... Exactly. So then, uh, I mean, there's not... This episode's kind of dull. There's not much going on besides, like, she starts, I mean, like, hanging out with this new girl and she's, like, yeah. really gung-ho and straightforward and, like, basically manipulates her way mm-hmm. into getting the contract with Emily's ex-boyfriend away from their company. So mm-hmm. now he's gonna publish with them. Even though, like, in the moment when she first meets him, she, like, defends Emily, and she's like, get away from our girl. And you just kind of find out that she kind of put her tentacles in just enough to grab Emily's, like, connections, and then move out, and then mm-hmm. just leaves. And I guess that's how um, they officially got rid of Mark Valley, if, if there would have been more episodes. I guess so. She gets frustrated with this woman easily, because she's also very grating, but she's she's great. She's a good actress, so she's doing it well. And, um, 
later on you find out that like the whole history between between Riley and um, Emily is like you know they had a contract to be best friends and like she was overreacting and all that kind of stuff and she goes to apologize earlier she finds out like she reveals earlier in the episode that like when they were growing up her and Riley had like all these rules for being best friends and mm-hmm. then sign a contract um, in and blood like, through a lot together yeah. and like when she was younger she was there when, when Riley's dog died um, on January 23rd. The dog, which is so adorable, when it's trying to get into the bathroom as Emily's, like, freaking out about her period. I was like, oh, God, this dog. The dog wants yeah, to help so badly. This is so sweet. And so the dog eventually dies, and then she's there, like, hugging her after the de- death and everything. And, like, at the very end of the episode, out of, like, fucking left field, this is where, I'm telling you, the whole episode is very mediocre, and then the very last, like, five minutes, you fi- you realize, like, Emily realizes where, she's like, I can't find Riley, because... The whole oh, we should say the whole episode. She's been ditching Riley's calls, mm-hmm. and Riley's been pretty she, needy. As, as she, that's why she's being annoyed with her, basically. Yeah, and then she reveals through Josh and through like some voicemails to Riley that she had gotten a new friend because Riley wasn't up to snuff. Essentially, at first Riley's like, "Cool, I could use the space," basically. But then she realizes she feels she's being replaced, and then she tries to talk to Emily, and Emily blows her off. But then Emily, of course, as always, gets bored with whatever she's doing, and then goes back <laughs> to try and get her like safety net that is Riley and Riley has moved on and she's hanging out with Glitter which again sounds like an upgrade to me um, but she's doing it specifically because she knows it'll fuck with Emily and she's right because Emily gets all like really uptight about it and then like realizes like okay she's really upset that Riley won't return her calls and then she's like where is Riley where is Riley and she can't find her and she realizes it's January 23rd so she's at the at the cemetery where they bury their dog uh, the dog that died and she goes and sees her and then she's just like upset and then the two of them just stand there over the over the thing and then she's like you know being a friend is knowing exactly where your friend's gonna be even 20 years later and like there's really nothing it's honestly all acting like there's not a ton of even dialogue that's that great it's just sort of like the two of them holding hands and riley saying like she's upset but she's like you know i miss him still i miss him more my brother or whatever <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah because when, when they're kids she's like i love brother. this i love this dog more than i love my brother and that's still the case yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's this, like, sweet moment where she puts her head on Riley's shoulder, and, like, that's it. I mean, it's 100% the acting of Riley. Like, there's nothing else even the scene. Seriously. It comes out of nowhere, emotion-wise. She's such a good actor. And all of a sudden, I'm crying over Emily's reasons. Why not? Yes. And truly, like, just one scene, not even the whole episode. And that's it. That's That's the end of the episode. There's nothing even involved in that episode. It's so stupid. Um, I forgot, I actually realized too, just to go back to how stupid this show is, I forgot we, we didn't mention that Rachel Harris's character is named Lila Cox hyphen wiener. <laughs> this show sucks. And so the next so episode. Stupid. Well, I mean, remember the, uh, on, on Suits, uh, Rachel Harris is Sheila's ass. Oh my god. So good. <laughs> uh, so then this is the, um, vacation episode, which again. Oh my god. Now, I have questions about this, because. I'm, I've, t- I've taken four years of French. I know Martinique is in the Caribbean. I'm guessing, we don't know enough about Ilan to know exactly how he identifies, but I'm guessing he's identified technically as at least Hispanic or Dominican? Well, they it's say, unclear. Well, no, they say he's French, and then he says chow, and she's like, well, that's not French, and there's never a reveal where he's not actually French, when there should be. Also, like, if you're from the Dominican area, you could definitely know French and Spanish. Like, I'd buy that he's mixed. I don't know. I, guess I don't like- know this guy's life. I, I, I just, knew he was going to end up to be a fraud, and that never happened, so... Yeah. 
But I, I don't think he's a white guy, is all I mean. Mm-hmm. And the way they treat him is really gross, because I don't think he's considered a white guy. Like, they treat him like an island you know, man, if you know what I mean. Oh, God, that's one of the lines, that's one of the lines later on, where uh, Riley says, How's life in paradise, mon? Like, bitch, that's not even the right <laughs> island. Shut the fuck up. Like, mon. you're so racist. Ugh. But so, like, constantly in this episode, there's just such, like, overt random racism throughout. So, anyway, so Emily goes on vacation. Even though she's this uptight person, she's got enough money to, like, blow to this random go to the Caribbean when she feels like I mean, it, she clearly like... makes bank. You've seen her apartment. I know! And it's so frustrating, because she's, again, so, like, ugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Character. She's so frustrating. Uh, so then, anyway, she goes to the Caribbean, falls in love with a guy on vacation, and then decides to come back with him, which, again, is, like... The joke is, like, everyone's like, you don't do that. But honestly, like, you shouldn't do that. Like, you don't know this guy that well if you only just hooked up with him for, like, a couple days. I don't know. It's very strange. Not to say that, like, he's, like, a shady dude. It's more just, like, that's a very strong commitment for a guy to come on a plane from, like, Martinique all the way to, like, I think it's, like, L.A. So it's, like, very... It's a strong choice, is all <laughs> I mean. And so he comes all the way down from, from the island to, uh somewhere in Echo Park or wherever she lives and um he's now like living with her it goes from like basically a fling to like they're dating slash living together which is never gonna end well especially with someone as fucking myopic as Emily <laughs> uh but so <laughs> and this guy doesn't understand how to be a human in the world yeah and they treat him like honestly they treat him like a fucking sideshow it's really embarrassing and like I don't understand the point of it at all so he comes and he shows up and he's like wearing he's supposed to be i don't even know no one acts like this like this is so frustrating (laughs) even if he was like this goofy like fling of a guy the minute he got there and he saw that everyone was not like hanging out like that he'd be like bye and like leave to live at like venice beach or something like he wouldn't (laughs) want to live in like downtown la or wherever she lives like it's just not realistic i love love your 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 particular graph of la geography listen (laughs) that's all i know know. on the east it's not downtown (laughs) downtown LA. Whatever it's called. Uh, I've heard people say downtown LA, so I just assumed it was a thing. I don't know. There is a downtown LA that's not where Echo Park is. Oh my god. But so, wherever she lives or works, like, if he saw people walking around, even just in full, I mean, it it sounds really rude, but like, if he saw people walking around in like full clothing, he'd be like, this isn't the place for me, basically. And he doesn't do that. He just kind of like, continues to be, like, his wacky self in the middle of, like, like, a mall area. Like, it's not... All I mean is, like, he would have he would have been like, I don't want to live here either. I gotta go. Like, he wouldn't have wanted to be there alone. Like, the reason why someone like that works is he's living at the beach. He likes the vibe and it matches his personality. Like, you take someone from the beach and you stick them in the house, like, yes, it's gonna grate the person living in the house, but he's not going to enjoy what he's doing as much because he's, like, stuck in a fucking house all day long. And he does kind of, like, leave and, and come and go as he wants, like, to be free or whatever. But, like, to me, someone like that would look for, like, a hippie commune or something. Like, he'd try and find a, a version of that in, like, a modern setting that he could still feel Perhaps in downtown LA? Yes. Yes. Somewhere <laughs> in downtown LA. But surely there's at least a place in, like, the general vicinity that you could find a place that he could live. Oh, well, yeah, it's like, LA. Venice Beach or something like that. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> he doesn't make any attempt to try and find his his own gang. He just stays with her the whole time. 
And then they get frustrated with each other because they're like, they're not a good match. I'm like, well, first of all, you met on vacation. And you don't know all, anything about moved. this person. I know, and he's moved house and home to go live with her. He's unplugging her alarm clock. Yeah, it's weird. And so they just keep grading each other, and he's like, honestly, like a he's like a sketch character. He's way over the top, way out of control, like, does all these goofy dancing moves, and it, like, I don't know, I don't understand, <laughs> it's so stupid. It really is like a scene from like a much goofier TV show, but they try and make it work here, and he basically tries to get her to loosen up. She's trying to be like... Like, uh, okay, it's the same plot they did in season four of How I Met Your Mother. Yes. With Gael. It's exactly the same. She brings him home, he doesn't But this in. came before Gael, so... Yeah, surprise we know Now we know what How I Met Your Mother ripped off. But also, like, to be honest, that whole plot, as much as that was also flawed, they actually do talk about the fact that, like, they she still wants that life and she still wants to be relaxed. Emily still, in the beginning, says she tries to act like Vacation Emily, but she almost immediately abandons that and then just gets frustrated. Because Vacation Emily refuses to do her work or read the manuscript, and as we know, she reads a manuscript a day, so... (laughs) Yeah, really. But also, like, okay, this is where it kind of... The reason why I brought up how this guy identifies earlier is because then it becomes a really creepy allegory for assimilation, and I'm not overstepping (laughs) it. They straight up say, like, basically, like, he's not acting like a normal person. He's not acting right. And it's very creepy and coded. Like, very creepy. And they go out to dinner with him. It's so fucking Because, yeah, she said we have to, you know, learn to adjust and everything... And, you know, give and take. Except for she takes all and makes him just stop. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And I only, I say that specifically because, like, there's a point where he comes to work. And, like, we're not probably describing this guy well enough. Like, we said Gael from How Your Other, if you're familiar. But, like, he's wearing, like, basically, like, boy shorts, like, call me by your name style tight. And then, like, uh, open, open shirt. like. Yeah, open, like, uh, uh, Tommy Bahama shirt and, like, po- like, pukas, basically. Like, very, very open, like. Honestly, could be played by Jason Manzukis or someone similar. Hmm. But, like, it very, like, open and goofy. Like, God, I love like, Zooks free... to just call Emily a jerk over and over again. I know. But, like, honestly, like, I have nothing against this character, but it's very strange to, like, he's supposed to be this goofy, weird dude, but I'm like, he seems like a nice guy. He stressed me out, too. Yeah, he but, was like, too much shaking. Too much shaking. Yeah, it was a lot of shaking. But the weird thing is that he comes in to, like, see her at work and he's wearing, like, nothing. I'm like, honestly, even if. You have not a ton of experience living off an island. Something strikes me that if he walked up to, like, the security guard and saw that everyone was in, like, business suits and he's, like, wearing, like, essentially, like, a Speedo and, like, an open, like, shirtless, like, t-shirt, he'd feel out of place. Like, I don't trust that someone like that is going to be that lack of self-aware, like, happy. And they keep leaning on the fact that he has an accent, like, it's some goofy thing. I'm like, just because he has an accent doesn't mean he doesn't have common sense, like... He would know, like, this is a little awkward, but, like, he would probably, like, open his shirt and be like, see, let's go home and, like, party it up. Like, it just doesn't... Like, well... he's, they're treating him like an, like a, like a, like an animal. They're treating basically. him like it's a Tarzan situation. Exactly. It's exactly Tarzan. Or, like, Jungle Book or something, where it's, like, it's, like, if a modern version of that where, or, like, Pocahontas or something. Like, they're treating... I, I bring up the fact that, like, obviously, I don't know what his identity is if he's, if he's to be a white dude with a French accent who lives on a Caribbean island, but, like... It, to me, it comes across as really creepy and, like, very, like, colonial. Like, like you've come back to the mainland now, sir. You need to act right. It's so <laughs> gross. And then she's, like, gets him a tie and a suit and shit. It's, ooh, and It's a really bad tie and suit. It's, like, choking yeah. him. 
Exactly. And then that's where they really, like, lean into the, like, you mentioned Tarzan, like, his, his head's, like, long hair. They, like, make it, they comb it, like, he's literally, like, the most uncomfortable dude ever. And it's, like, so, he, there's a way to make him look, like, a little more, like, dressed up and not, like, literally, like, rob him of his own personality. Like, you know, like, just find a, a goofier, fun thing he can wear that's, like, a little less revealing, you know? But so, he comes out to dinner with the group of, uh, it's, like, Riley and Josh and, uh, Aknod, Josh's boyfriend, and they all go out to dinner, and, like, it's so fucking gross, it's, like, again, I mentioned the hate crime earlier, it's not, not that far <laughs> off, because they're sitting around, and she, and they're, like, Emily, Emily, like, brings him out later, and she's already kind of basically, like, like quote-unquote cleaned him up, is basically how they're treating it, and... Riley's like, when do you get a load of it? He's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. and it's like all this awful, like making fun of him before he gets there. Like you can't believe how crazy this guy is. It's so rude. And then he shows up, and he's all uptight and like, you know, she's got him like on a leash essentially. And it's not until oh my god, this is the fucking, this is one t- like, you're right in the in the Tarzan comparison or like mm-hmm. a Encino Man or something where it's like. Oh, isn't it funny? He's now, like, one of the gang. But, like, in this scene, it's like a Disney movie or something. Like, here's a... Cal- he, he, Disney honestly, Tarzan. He, yeah. He hears a, the Calypso ringtone on someone's cell phone. Because he's never heard like, a cell phone before. He works at, like, a vacation resort. Calm down. And then it, like, pulls him back as the steel drums. And also, like, no Calypso ringtone sound like that. That was clearly the steel drums. But so, he, like, hears the sound of the steel drums, and he, like, starts, like, dancing like it's fucking Weekend at Bernie's, and he's like, I can't help it. <laughs> That's your go-to like, dance? Well, I mean, to the Calypso music, yeah, exactly. Because it just suddenly, like, it's like it's like his body can't control it. And that's what I'm telling you, he, they treat him like an animal. They treat him like he, it's out of his control to stop from dancing when he hears Calypso music. And so he starts dancing, and he rips off his clothes at the dinner table, and he's like, I don't care who sees it. And then Josh had been, or Josh or Josh's boyfriend had been drinking a, a like, pina colada with, like, a little umbrella and stuff, and he's, like, looking at it all, like, oh. And so he starts dancing around, and he's like, I need to be free! And there's a scene earlier on where he, like, lets the bird out of the cage, and there's, like, a really, like, a... a oh, yeah, because she kept the bird that Reese gave her, by the way. Yeah, which is so ridiculous. And He made uh, her keep a bird, basically. Yeah, like, oh, God. And so she has this bird in this cage in the house, and there's a joke earlier where he, like, makes her dinner. And there's a whole other joke, too, where, like, when she hears from the, her friend that, like, he went home, and, uh, oh, I think it was Glitter that said, like, Glitter fucking rocks her world in a sentence where she's like, oh, yeah, he'll need help from someone else putting the rest of your stuff from your house on a moving truck, which is just, like, honestly rude, but, like, second of all... Not great, because then it immediately, like, sp- like spurs Emily's weird, latent, like, quote potentially, like, racist point of view, where, like, the minute he's alone with her stuff, he's gonna steal everything now, and she comes home, like, in a panic, like, he's robbed her, and the door's ajar slightly, and she's like, oh my god, he's taking everything, everything's there, he's making her a cute little picnic dinner, because she's a fucking weirdo, and she's like, oh, never mind, my bad, I was just being, like, completely, like, like, honestly, like, rude as shit, just assuming that glitters like snipe was true and then he's he's like here's dinner and then she the bird's not in the cage and she's like he 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 cooked my bird he cooked like, your bird we not but that's what i'm saying they keep treating him like tarzan like he would do something like that like he sees a bird he's gonna cook it and whatever he, he, he man escargot snails exactly. and like escargot's good snails are good and miss she's like miss sophisticated is like oh no i have to eat snails 
Yeah, she's like, ooh, garden, garden vermin. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's like a luxury dinner. Shut the fuck up. How can you be so rude to this guy who's like, doesn't know his ass from his elbows in one sentence, and then the next sentence he's giving you fucking like luxurious Most dinner. Most people are cooking you dinner and, and you hate it. I know, with like a candlelit vid, like little dinner on the, on the ground. Oh my god. And of course, like the whole time he's just doing like body painting and she's like rolling her eyes like, I've got to get my work done. I'm like, bitch, do it while he's body painting you. Like, it's nothing, no, one can, no one's saying you can't do more than one thing at once. She can't. Like, speak up for yourself. Speak up for yourself. would never allow any of this. It's so frustrating. Like, all she has to do is just Speaking say, of, listen, I gotta be done by 11. Again That's with, it. Again with Glitter, uh, so Emily is late to a meeting because he rips out her alarm clock. So Glitter takes her to the meeting, and as soon as, she, as Emily gets me there, she, like, just pushes oh, no. Glitter out of the way. I, there are so many, like, signs that Glitter has done more than she should have. Like, she, there's signs to me that they're treating Glitter unfairly because she's, like, informed she's read the book the manuscript also like the guy in that meeting is the guy who plays grundle is barney from parks and rec <laughs> who's the accountant the guy from the accounting mm-hmm. firm which i love every time i see him uh, he's like one of my favorite characters on that show um but so he's like this like uptight like uh, european dude who's just like super into his book premise or whatever but uh emily shows up like he's like well did you even read the book and she's like of course i read the book Glitter has clearly prepared she's got a whole little presentation going and emily just shoves her out of the way starts like taking over and then has no idea what she's talking about, and then also uh, uh, moves to take her shirt off, take like a jacket off, and of course she's got like body paint on the back of her thing that says "I'm a French sex monkey," which is just like, come on, man, you didn't take a shower, is all that says to me. <laughs> like, come on. And then it, of course some of them are European, so they all speak French, and they're like, "What the fuck is she have on her back?" And everyone's like, "Ah," and like everything about it is just. It's just not, it's not realistic. Like, at any point she could have dumped this guy and not dealt with it. But She, she needed five she, reasons like, why not to be with him. Oh, God. And so she dumps him. And that's basically it. I don't, the rest of the episode is just, like, her, like, whispering. Oh, there's, like, some shitty allegory to, like, a fucking. Like, honestly, it's, like, them, like, tiptoeing around the uh, Maya Angelou premise where it's, like, you know. She knows why the cage bird sings. She's like, sometimes, even if you're a bird in a cage, you have to remember to keep the door open. So, like, even if the bird doesn't want to get out of the cage, she has to have the ability to get out of the cage. I'm like, what is this? This is way too heavy for fucking Emily's <laughs> reasons. Why not? It's nuts! Oh, God. And then the last episode... Oh, God. Sexual harassment lawsuit. It, it, it yeah, the that. whole episode is insane. It's hard to watch now, to be honest. And, like... There's a scene later. So she hires a male assistant. She finds him cute. They get into like a codependent relationship. And then she is completely overstepping her bounds because she's definitely like 10 years older than the guy anyway, I think. And um, assumes that like his intimate, like trying to help her and he's trying to be a, a good employee and help her every turn. And she just is like a, basically abusing that and then gets emotional intimacy out of it, even though all he's really, he's not really giving her the texting is a little much. But she's also replying. Like, she doesn't have to reply and then amp that side of the I honestly thought that he was, like, trying to set her up for a sexual harassment lawsuit. <laughs> well, I fucking nailed it. But, uh, he... He is a little overzealous. But, I mean, if she gave better boundaries, there would have been no problem there. He she should have been a very good employee. She also shouldn't have just chosen, like, the, the hot one. That was her choosing for an assistant. Which, again, she didn't want to do an assistant because of after everything that happened with Glitter... Like, she's a terrible person. <laughs> Truly. Like, so after what happened with Glitter, where her assistant 
like basically like was sick of being passed over for this is my own mental like now it's like my own personal like meta version of what happened to glitter <laughs> but like honestly i assume she was passed over for promotion several times and then got sick of it so she stole her idea and then decided to give herself a promotion fair yeah, enough fair enough. But either way like glitter goes around her and gets promoted that way so she had a bad experience one time with one employee, so then she decides to hamper her own ability to work by not hiring a new assistant for years. <laughs> so she's essentially working in absolute chaos until her boss literally comes over and says, you have got to hire an assistant. You're a terrible like employee, basically. <laughs> it's so insane. Because <laughs> he comes over, and it's like, dude, what are you doing? She's answering her phone like, Emily, is Hannah's office? But like in a different voice, so someone thinks it's an assistant answering. It's like... What's wrong with this person? Oh my god. We've already listened so many things wrong with her, honestly. Oh god, she's the worst. And so, he's like- Also, though, he says to her- Speaking of, like, sexual harassment lawsuits, he says, Keep the crazy blouse thing going, though. It makes you look like the hot girl on the short bus. What? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I you missed that, that line. No, the boss walks into her, and she's, of course, in such a frenzy. Even though this whole season she's had no assistant, she's suddenly, it's come to a, a, a fruition where she's, like, in a panic. Yeah, she's like, I'm not a morning she, person. I'm like, you're always late anyway, so why, why do you need to be a morning person? <laughs> I know. But so she had gotten her shirt on and buttoned it out of order. So, like, some of the buttons are on one side. Like, basically, like, you know, if you miss a button, you do the one over. Mm-hmm. It's, like, crooked. And so he calls, he says to her, keep the crazy blast thing even after you get assistant, because it makes you look like the hot girl on the short bus, so, well, what the fuck. And so, later on, though, after all this goes down, she starts to overstep her bounds with the, with the assistant, and, like, realizing she's kind of, like, vaguely into him, she eventually is texting him at night when she's out to dinner, another time where she gets hit on, sight on scene by the they DJ. Ho- they go hack these on meals, as they keep saying. Yeah, and then, so she goes out with her friends, to Riley, and to Josh's, like, um, they have, like, a, he, has, he owns, like, a chai tea bar. Yeah, and, and yeah, he gets up, like, a, a slight night. B-plot here. Talk about 2006, man. <laughs> chai tea bar. But, uh, they, go, they open up, like, a nighttime service, and so she's there for, like, the launch of it, and she's texting her assistant, his name's Milo, the whole time, and she's texting him, like, uh, like, I'm out, I'm, I'm still out over at this place, and he's like, you better go to bed soon uh, or i'm gonna come over there and forcibly tuck you in again it's like kind of inappropriate but like it's not too bad it's just stupid jokey shit but then she says back to him uh do i get a bedtime story and of course she is an idiot even though she's not drunk like give us the excuse that she's drunk there's no alcohol because he couldn't get a liquor license yeah she says that like they shouldn't have been established that why would you say that because then she texts the whole company do i get a bedtime story you don't actually see who it's to, do you? But I guess she, they realize it's just between her, her assistant, but... Um, yeah, I'm guessing they see all the other ones, or... I don't even know. I don't know. I think that was kind of a leap. I think that she just... It doesn't make assume... sense... It never makes sense in anything when you apparently send it to your entire address book, or, so... I hate that trope, so... It kind of... It does happen in office situations, but usually mm. it's, like, an office-related email. Like, you'll... I've, I haven't done that myself. They'll send out something that's meant for a certain department, and it'll go to everyone. But it's never an inappropriate email, because they're trying to send it to the wrong... They're just trying to send it to a different person. No you know? one's talking like, about bedtime stories. They're not gonna say, like, someone send me a bedtime <laughs> That's just not weird. Maybe you didn't do that if you're a bad employee and you're typing weird shit at work. You're Emily. It's never really the case. Exactly. But so she texts everybody, and then they all freak out, and they're like, "Oh!" And so he pulls her into his office, and instead of, like, saying, like, get your shit together, Emily, he says to her, let me, le-, like, basically he's like, let me lecture you on sexual harassment, toots. He uses the word toots. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then goes on about how, like, he hooked up with his own boss, and that's how he got to where he was now. And there's no, like, 
moral. It's basically just like keep it quiet. Like it's really <laughs> creepy. It's so creepy. And like he's you know it's inappropriate now, but I get where you're coming from. It's just so weird. And then she like goes back to him and she's like, oh, I get it. I'm sorry. I'll be better. And then she goes back over to to Milo, her assistant, and says like tries to act professional, but he gets her a gift. It's like super meaningful. And then she's like, I'm kind of into him. And then later on. Um, she finds out he had a girlfriend the whole time. Well, after, okay, so they they go to this diner, and he picks the onions off of her burger, and places the ketchup- Yeah, that's weird. And pours the ketchup onto her fries. Like- That's just- That's just a codependent person. Yeah, she wants to have a boyfriend, because that's creepy. Exactly! That's what I'm saying! The codependency is beyond boyfriend. That could be anyone, because, like- to me, that's not intimacy. That's just someone who's just honestly. It kind of came across like they were trying to do like a low key like like a secretary situation, <laughs> like an ode to secretary. Because there was some literal power dynamics going on where he was literally like subservient in every way, and like was kind of into it. And I almost thought they were doing that on purpose, but they never actually went there. It could but, like, be totally to say, that like, could be the way to get it past the network, basically. <laughs> maybe, but like it was he was being intimate with her on a level that made no sense. Like he was so above and beyond the the realistic ways to be weird. But so then um she she's like, "Look, dude, I got to put some boundaries up." And then of course his girlfriend walks in and she's like, "What?" She freaks out, spills water on herself and then leaves. And there she's like the next day she like confronts him like how could you not tell me you had a girlfriend I'm like bitch because it's not your business although he doesn't admit like he, he was intentionally like flirting and everything and being I mean that's nervous. a work flirt again that's like that's, a situation that's more than a like, work flirt what was happening again, no agreed with the burger. but those are that's like them putting themselves in situations that were inappropriate like mm-hmm. the work flirt was not the problem the problem was going to get dinner outside of work hours mm-hmm. that's different like, if you're talking about it at work, it's very different to have somebody who you're just flirting with because you're bored at work. It was work more than just a work-wife situation. someone you're literally, like, going to get lunch and dinner together and splitting it. That's not work-related to me. That's inappropriate. Um, but so he he basically, like, cops to the fact that he's he's uh, in, a little into her, too. But, like, you know, he was only doing it for the fun of, like, you know, being a good employee. And then, like... There's, like, a weird moment where you're, like, okay, fine. She, like, admits to being shitty, a bad boss, and he admits to being kind of overstepping his bounds, and you assume they're just gonna, like, walk away from it. Then he randomly kisses her, which is, no, she kisses him. They kiss each other. It's, it's, a, it's a mutual it's kiss. It's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. And also, he's very, not that there's a problem, with it, but he's very young. It's just, it seems inappropriate on other levels as well. Like, she's at least ten years his senior, I would imagine. And not that, again, like, you know, live your life if it's all consensual, but, like, it just feels like... A real abuse of power. It's very uncomfortable to watch. And the minute they're like, they pull apart, they like, of course, realize like, oh like, no, the whole office probably saw us. Yeah. Fucking all glass doors. And the age thing too. Like her boss is even like, you're an executive here, yeah. not like a junior executive, which I'm assuming is what um, uh, glitter is or anything like that. It's like you're an executive. You can't act like this, idiot. Like that's that's all I mean is like, be an adult. Like date an older guy. But of course, she barely ever does that either. But uh, she would, she... and she'd have five reasons not to date an old guy. I know, right? Uh, and then they they break up, and she's like all like, embarrassed and and defeated. And well, yeah, the thing like... is that everyone did see them kiss, and then he gets transferred to a new department. <laughs> and then, like, moral of the story is like she's basically just like moral of the story is don't hire a cute assistant. I'm like, that's not the moral of any story. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> You can hire anyone who's any bit attractive. Just be an adult and, like, control yourself, you weirdo. (laughs) 
She's like, is this? She's like saying, if I if I employed another cute guy, she's gonna do the exact same thing. What? Have you learned no lesson here? Like you're a monster. <laughs> like she's hurting for sex either. Like you can get That's it elsewhere. I mean. That's what I'm so frustrated about. Is that she keeps acting like she's like. This is my one chance to hook up with someone. Not that that's ever an excuse, but like she's treating it like, listen, I'm I'm hard up for it. This is like a one time deal. It's like no, she's just she's hooking up with guys left and right, and she just can't control herself for a second. It's it's so it's sad. It's very sad. But uh, yeah, and there was there was another episode, but we were not able to see it because it was probably never aired and maybe never finished, like editing wise. But there is a seventh episode. Wait, mysteriously no, there. there's just this. There's just six. There is one on IMDb, but it's not actually, like, there's nobody building it or anything. It's oh, like, why did you look at bridal magazines? I have not heard of that one at all. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever actually <clears throat> released it, but I think it's just, like, it was there. Yeah, that so wasn't even on the DVD. I don't, think, I don't think that got produced at all. It's just funny, because that, that sounds, like, even worse than the other stuff we've watched. It would have been all about her being, like, obsessed with getting married, I'm sure. Yeah, there's not even uh. a, Yeah, that never got produced. There's not even a cast list or anything on that. Exactly fascinating but so this show was over before it was ever even started but um that was emily's reasons why not i mean i don't know what more we can say about it i think you said enough is it's it's a total waste of time but it's interesting if you want to like hate watch something because it's a very easy thing to hate watch i would say but i wouldn't recommend you really i mean especially get over the hump of the pilot because it's not as hateable past that but i mean she is because she's so terrible but the pilot is it's a different level. Of... It's one of those shows, like, honestly, we watch a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff we've seen sticks with me, because it's, like, as fucked up as it is, it's fucking goofy as hell. It's just, I'm not, I'm never going to forget that. This feels like there's no substance at all. Yeah. So I don't know that it'll ever be. I think I remember it for having the most homophobic episode of television we've watched. And I'll remember it for the making me cry that one time. I think it's about it, though. And how she uh, rather will never work for the white man. Oh, man. All right. So let's move on to plugs. What's up with you, LaJoya? Um, as always, you can you guys can find me uh, at LaFergs on Twitter. You can find my reviews over at AV Club, IndieWire, Consequence of Sound. Uh, you should also watch Samantha Who, as I was telling you before, Suburgatory um, Selfie. Let's see. What else do I want you to watch? I guess watch Esto by Ginger 2. Um, you can watch that new British show I was saying uh, has Heather Graham called Bliss. And if you would like to help me out uh, and donate, that information is on my Twitter as well. So Yes, and it'll be in the info here yeah. too. Alright. And as always, I am at Marie on Twitter. Um, we, listen, we're both adults here. We both love doing this podcast. We will see what the next episode is, but we are trying to record at our own convenience. So, obviously you're going to get a nice hefty chunk huge huge episode today um next one will probably not be quite as long but it'll be uh hopefully about uh, a funner show than this maybe you should so be watching around. ellie so i can compare and contrast <laughs> oh my god I-, I gotta go buy a new stopwatch if we do that honestly <laughs> uh but so like uh stick around i will definitely be something soon but we're just gonna be releasing at our own pace because we don't want to get anybody's anticipation to be a certain amount certain times because in the past, when we do that, it just stresses us both out. So we're trying to make sure that it's a good amount of... We're happy to watch six episodes of Garbage like this. Um, and not feeling like we're like literally like... If I don't finish watching this awful episode of Baywatch Nights, Ugh. my life's gonna end. So 
So we're trying to we're trying to juggle it uh, a little bit better than we have in the past. So just stick around. There will also be some uh, more fun episodes in the future. Um, uh, Viva the glitter. Uh, and then I think if you want to rate, subscribe, review this episode, that's always great. You can uh, find us on iTunes or uh, email us at thetelevoid at gmail.com. Um, and in the meantime, guys, thanks for wandering into the televoid. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.